everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Everyone has an opinion about the sport of fitness, but few people have contemplated the implications of this training system called CrossFit more than OPEX founder James Fitzgerald. A spicy discussion kicks off wherein the crew debates long-term effects of high volume and the glamorization that surrounds extreme suffering. James is not one to hold back. In fact, he regards himself as an outspoken critic of the general understanding of fitness. And as he states, he has no plans to shut the fuck up about it. For a podcast host who is known to rant, John has definitely met his match this week. There is no stopping James, and we are stoked to be along for this important discussion. Here it is, episode 339. So what are we doing today? Uh, John. Same thing we do every day, pinky? Or, or brain. Take over the world. Try to take, take over, over the, the world. world. One podcast episode at a time. That's right, people. You're not watching Pinky and the Brain. Animaniacs. Or listening. No. It, well, the, well, Pinky and the Brain was a segment of Animaniacs. Yeah. yeah. So, but if it I had remember it, correctly. I think they got their own show. Yeah, no, Pinky, yeah, Pinky and the Brain was their own show. Big time. Those guys went big time, man. They didn't. I just, I, I loved it. Do you know why? Because it was the same thing every week. Try to take, take over, over the, the world. world. Oh, is that where your love for beating a dead horse came exactly. in? Exactly. <laughs> uh, that and Groundhog Day. Oh, great movie as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not Groundhog Day, or maybe it is for you because it's another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Ing. Ing. There he is. That is our... Oh, uh, I was going to tell you. So I was listening to the Woody Show this morning. Uh, Podcast? Uh, no, uh, on the radio. So in the morning I get up, uh, I turn on the radio. What type of radio you got that you're pulling in? We have a radio in our kitchen, and I turned it on, and like there was like a couple shows, but I'll like just turn it on. And the Woody shows on 97.5. No old, way. Mm-hmm. Out here in Austin. Uh-huh. No way. It's Since when? It's, it's been like you didn't know that? No. So, but truth so be told, I don't listen to the radio ever. I, well, I, I only like it because it's a Woody show. which They are great. Which um, takes me back changes, to my, yeah. yeah, from California. But I forgot when they were like, bye. Oh, they do bye? Yeah, that's they do. We got it? I think that's oh, got it. Oh, damn well, it. I, I think we got it from the Woody show because as I was listening to him, they're like, bye, bye. Well, now, I know I know for a fact. We got it from Chelsea. From Chelsea. But like, did Chelsea pull it pull from it the from Woody those, show? Maybe. Or does the Woody show listen to Power Athlete Radio? I think I'm going with Woody show listens to Power Athlete Radio. Oh, man. If you ever want to. 97.5, huh? If you ever want to do, yeah. So uh, one of my favorite things to laugh at is so we were listening to the Woody show. I'll Google the Woody show and show the kids uh, yeah. what the Woody show people look like. I know. And they laughed. They were like, I like oh my the cartoon God. versions of them. Better. Oh, yeah, way better. They, they look awful. <laughs> They're like, yeah. uh, for those who have no idea, so the Woody show I is have like, no idea. I had to Google. Dude, yeah, morning Woody. talk show out in Southern California, California that was like, listen, I hate morning radio. Like, the best. since the Howard Stern yeah. in like uh, the early 2000s, really, it just stunk. Dude, right? They, they but do this they whole were actually really, really good. Like, at least I enjoyed they it. They do a yeah. skit called Craigslist Freak of the Week. <laughs> and what they do is they scan Craigslist. List for like Isn't the, that what you do? No. no. The Drop weirdest the things. And the best is so Remy, who's the chick on there, she'll read it. 
And she reads it like in this like, yeah. hey, I'm looking for a couple that wants to wear bondage and strap on like just mm-hmm. hysterical stuff. Yeah, they look yeah. awful. Yeah, they yeah. Are not attractive. No, they, no, they all on. have faces for radio. Yes, but they are very like. They are hilarious. I think they are. I think and, they're great. And so Menace, who's one of the dudes, is like uber cheap. So like everything is about like Mem- uh, Menace fucking skipping out. And it's just. It's a perfect. They have. Com- combination of like dude. great skits, banter, tr- what I perceive to be like yeah. a true friendship and like relationship and like an authenticity like it's, it's, it's what versus like hey this guy's got a radio voice this girl's got a radio voice they seem to like sh- no these guys are like a crew it feels like uh the the other choice you have here in austin is booker alex and sarah that, who I are can't. fucking awful yeah it's bad yeah no they're really it's terrible but uh yeah. so when i found out that the woody show place so i wake up uh like you know i get up at like five uh brush my teeth whatever you know roll out at like five thirty, turn on the woody show huh. and it starts like at 5 a.m so i that's what I, and then uh kate's like sometimes i have to go change the channel because it gets a little uh adult for the kids but for the most part they don't pay attention yeah but i love it i love the woody show yes and le- <laughs> 97. i guess like and if you the pot so ash was doing the podcast for a while so if you guys are truly interested and want to kind of get a feel for it, they do like they have the podcast um, and check it out. I don't know. I think they're funny. Maybe these people are, think it's terrible, but I'll tell you who we don't have on the show today. The Woody show cast. We do have, I'm Luke text. We're the co-host of power athlete radio and our special guest. Me, or, John no, we Wilborn. Do we no, call uh, special friend guest? of the podcast. Friend of the friend of the <laughs> special <laughs> guest. Friend of the podcast. Ah, it just gets more and more backhanded with uh, each episode. Don't worry. Don't worry. I know. I know. But I, we do. Have, I just can't wait till I start my own podcast, and then I'll occasionally have you guys on. But I'm just going to make mm. you call in from next door. I, I like that one time <laughs> <laughs> when you're in the ivory tower. We're down here freezing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and all of a sudden the heater is missing. <laughs> <laughs> the one heater, um, ladies and gentlemen. It's that time of year. Well, we're weeks away. If you are a an enthusiast who jumps on the show on Friday as we launch it, as the carrier pigeon, pigeons drop it into your iPhone. We're just a mere weeks away from the resolution. The, dun, resi- dun, 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 the resolution. When the resolutionists take over. Now, I don't know what your mindset is on it. Me personally. I imagine them. Is, is that the name the, of John's new podcast? No, no. That's the name of whoever any girl's ever dated you. Her New Year's resolution. To redate text or not uh, to redate him? Uh, Ooh, but I imagine the resolutionists yeah. are dressed up kind of like um, uh, Mel Gibson in The Patriot. You know, like kind of like a sash, kind of like uh, seventeen. And as they storm into like the Gold's Gym and all these gyms, they kick the door off the hinges and they stand there like Captain America and go, "We are the resolutionists. Give us discounts." <laughs> Uh, but you know what, John? For many years, I've been vehemently, vehemently, is that the right word? Vehemently? I'm sensing your trepidation. Uh, vehemently against the resolutionists. It's just been like, I just had a pure and utter disdain for the really? resolutionists. Really? I yeah. love the resolutionists. I wouldn't say I love The them. whole new year, new me thing lasts for about 25 minutes on the 1st <sighs> of uh, January, and then it goes away. To me, the biggest problem was like, wait. I'm going to wait until, like, I'm putting a future date to make a change. Like, to me, that was automatically setting up for failure, right? Why not just do it now? I just didn't understand. But I realized that other people have different uh, you know, like methods training, and approaches. Training's like moving a big pile of dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, get an end loader. It's a lot easier. Yeah, just go, <laughs> just go get a uh, yeah, or a front loader, or maybe a skid steer. Mm-hmm. Move, not move. quite as poetic, but 
you know what? The intent is in the right place, people. So if you yourself are a resolutionist, we have a solution for you. Resolution solution. Or if you, your spouse, your significant other, maybe your friend, maybe your family member, if they're looking for pure, unfiltered, uncut, legitimate training, if they're look because they don't have time, they want to get jacked, they play sports, we have anything under the sun that they would ever want at powerathletehq.com slash training. Point them in the right direction. Maybe we can save some of these people. Save them from crazy. Save them from Peloton. Save them from spin class and Barry's boot camp. What a big limitation is they don't know what to do. Yeah. We'll take care of that. That's yeah, what we we'll do. We'll tell you what to do. Yeah. Right. And it'll be a blast. You get best in class tech with it on Train Heroic, which is making huge changes to like, I think by now their new messaging shits out. The big spoiler, I don't know, I guess, what, was Ben going to come yell at us if they eventually, guys, we're getting he's gifts. He's on the podcast next week, but whatever. We're getting gifts. We're getting gifts in the, the feeds. Don't we already do that? You can't put gifts in there. Oh. Gifts or gifts? gifts? Mimi, I put gifts. Mimi's in there. Mimi's? No, not a Mimi. God, like, a, first, like a gift? Like no, a, not a gift. Uh, some gifts are a gift. Yeah. So I'm talking like. A gif? Like giffy. Like GI. Like we're going to be able to drop gifts in the feed. It's going to be a game changer. We're going to level up on humor and experience on the feeds. That's what's happening. That's the big announcement. What about Mimi's? Or are we going to get Mimi's? You know, John, you say that as a joke, but you <laughs> actually thought it was Mimi's. I did for years. <laughs> for years. And, and then Callie actually was the one that lambased me. She's like, it's meme. I was like, but it looks like Mimi. She's like, it's not. But it's not Mimi. your fault either because Nate so confidently, probably still to this day, thinks it's Mimi. Yeah. Like, he'll uh, never backpack, backpedal on that. No, nope, he's Mimi. like, nope, 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 nope. I'm Nate. It's Mimi. Mimi, nope. No, but, but uh, uh, I, you know what? Like, um, I have no problem on like the other two people at this table admitting when I'm wrong. Oh, please. And maybe you know I don't know everything, so I am glad to take advice and mentoring from anybody that'll give it to me. Anyone. So if you guys have mentoring for John Wellborn, email it to Mimi Callie, C A L I at powerathletehq.com and put Mimi in the subject line. Let's say. You're the internet's favorite penguin, and you have a note for John. Callie um, will courier it. Well, we did. I know you're DMing the penguin. I, I did get a little confirmation yesterday that the penguin is of European descent. No, it's impossible. It is. No. Yeah. No way. Let me tell you why. It can't be European guy. It, there's got to be a cohort because they were messaging me. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know it sounds weird. It's not, but I was correcting them on something. Uh, they were messaging me at 8 p.m. How do you know that the penguin has been DMing me? He DMs all of us. Mm -hmm. I ignore and delete. Oh, you How could you? Penguin. No way. I think it's him and Heptonstaller penguins. It has well, to. When the, if it is Heptonstaller. If there's these magical U's that drop into the words, then we know he's a European. But it, there's not. And he was oh, active. So he intentionally deletes the U's. Active and online at 8 p.m., which there's no way Heptonstall would be up at 8 p.m. It's because he has you as his proxy. First off, I've got much better things to do what, with my like, time. Uh, watch That's not that, it's not a good argument. <laughs> I agree, understand. <laughs> not convincing. But it's not me. It ain't me. Got too many other accounts you're on. <laughs> yeah. That's more of a good. Yeah, that's true. Uh, did I tell you that my daughters came home and they asked me what a dingleberry was? Hmm. How did you answer? Um, 
I didn't really know what, uh, and I was like, F- flick him in the nose. You, <laughs> I, I asked them like, where did you get that? They were like, Oh, kids at school were calling each other dingleberries. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Huh? What, uh, uh, is there an official definition for dingleberry? Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, dried crumpled up poo in, uh, On, in your, a butt. That's a dingleberry. That's what I, my interpretation is. What is it? Uh, the dictionary has it as a foolish or inept person. Urban Dictionary, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Urban Dictionary. Is there a picture of TC on there? When wiping your butt with cheap toilet paper, pieces of cheap toilet paper catch cling to the anus, therefore having berries that dingle from your butt. Okay. That's my understanding of dingle. So that's what uh, the kids, they were like, that's... Like, Kids say the darndest thing. I was like, you know, I really appreciate that you guys are in second grade, just sitting around on the playground, just sharing dirty thoughts, mm-hmm. dirty words. Makes me feel good because, I mean, that's where you really learn, like, your, to elevate your profanities in elementary school. It is, and it's like a, a child version of Power Athlete Radio, really, the playground, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the great school play, playground. Um, speaking of Power Athlete Radio, ladies and gentlemen, we have a heck of a show today. Strap yourselves in two a heck, hours. A heck of a show. Plus, what are you, what are you from the Midwest? Plus. Oh, let me get you in there, buddy. We got a heck of a show. Hey, I'm gone no profanity this whole this whole episode. Have you? Yeah, I've been co- I've been using oh, intern. What's the swear count? I said seven curse words. What? I don't think Tex said what? seven words. This kind of just false. what constitutes a curse word. I switched text and no. I have ten? Yeah, no way I hit what, seven. What's a curse so what? word? What I hit one? A... Fuck. Oh, that's one. <laughs> I got him. Did, hey, don't did celebrate I, it. Did I, did, I dro- <laughs> did I drop an F-bomb today? I'm sure you did. No, that's a lie. I, uh, you know what? He's not, he's not actually keeping track of oh, I have no doubt he's not counting. Like, he's, yeah, he just randomly. Yeah. Had, I, 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 I don't think I've dropped an F-bomb in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, listeners, if you heard an F-bomb today, uh, email it to Callie, C-A-L-I, <laughs> at PowerAthleteHQ.com. Uh, and remember remember to put F-bomb in the subject header. Yes, F-bomb. And we'll see if you spell it. Ooh, then that's a strike for you. But let's get on to our talk with James Fitzgerald. Uh, All, it's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. I thought it was great. Pulling some yeah. Danny there's a lot of, there's some X and O's, X's and O's. There's a little bit of nostalgia in there. Uh, James has been in this game. If you don't know who James Fitzgerald is and you're like a, a exerciser, shame on you. Shame, shame. Cause he's long, he's OG man. Well, he is. I mean, as he was on the podcast, I realized that we almost had a Mugatu moment where like, you've been around forever and we never won anything. <laughs> and now all of a sudden we want you. <laughs> so I was waiting for you to do a Mugatu. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for what, like 25 years and we finally just had James Fitzgerald on. Yeah. It was so good I'm talk. glad to know there's still people out there that we can glean. Mm-hmm. The, the future of fitness is in here too. Yeah. Well, professional exercising, not fitness. Well, I would oh, even, excuse me. Yeah. Even like, ah, just some grand ideas. He's put a lot of thought into what he's doing, man. Yeah. There's very clear. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I know we did. So here we go. Let's talk to James Fitzgerald of OPEX. Ready? Go. Oh, I thought you were going to do three, two, one. Three, two, one. Exercise. Well, I mean, I feel like, you know, at least for our followers, we find that a lot of our our demographic and our uh, listeners 
I've known John since for a long time, right? They, like their old Chris <laughs> CrossFit football days and like forever and ever, you know, back when, back in the good old days, James, right? So I feel like you're, you're a dude who probably needs very little introduction to our loyal followers as you know, you and John early on were two of like those, those paragons in this, this movement of fitness, right? Um, but with all that said, in case we got some new blind, young intern, like, so James, I'm looking at our intern up over here, yeah. uh, individuals who are listening today. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little bit of background? Well, how about what do you do and how did you get there? Yeah. Um, I'm the founder of a company, uh, that's a fitness education company called OPEX. Um, I was a young athlete and, um, I really fell in love with the identity around being an athlete as a young kid. And I played a lot of things in Northern Canada, um, gave me lots of opportunity to experiment with a bunch of stuff. And, uh, it set the tone for, I think what I really enjoyed definitely more, uh, body stuff than mind stuff. I guess if you put it into two buckets, um, always look forward to shit after school as opposed to school. And, uh, then I had an injury, uh, when I was 18 that, uh, took away that experience, uh, which made me recognize on the rehab, uh, the positivity around physical conditioning and training, um, and how really, um, it just set the tone for me to transform myself. I became, I guess you could call it woke to exercise around 18. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I have been basically, spreading the message around all the experiences inside that for 27 years. Um, but to short, shorten up that journey from 18 till now, um, I wanted to learn more about it. So I did the academic route. Um, and then I got out, this was in the mid nineties when, uh, uh, coaching was a pretty cool thing. You know, you were, you were a, a bit of a rock star in your community, really, um, of people you were helping out. There was ample opportunity to work with people and, sports were now coming on board with saying things like, you know, if you actually spend some time, uh, drinking and smoking less and maybe doing a little bit of weights, you might be, uh, you might be okay. Um, and then of course, so many people were getting interested in this folly of exercise. Now it was less like this leisure pursuit. It was more like, well, oh, this is interesting. You know, it might be something worth investigating, um, as tech was rising. Um, and I just jumped in with that. Um, and I, I did that thing, coached in the trenches for uh, a lot of years. Um, it looked like multiple different shirts, uh, group fitness to um, global gym settings, to private institutions, to sport institutions, to um, you know private strength conditioning, personal training, et cetera. And then over time, uh, I was having some success with that. Uh, this was uh, 2010, 2011. And a lot of people were asking questions around that success around, you know, why do you enjoy your job and what do you think makes a fitness coach successful? And so I decided to put together some education on helping coaches do that in a non regulatory manner, uh, meaning a private institution manner, what I would call like real world fitness, uh, business operations and, uh, started selling that, uh, along in that period, um, I had notoriety through CrossFit. And because I had a science background, I think whether it just happened that way or not, I think people assume that I must have like a little bit of a scientific method to operating in the madness and the chaos, um, which was not really the case, but it was just labeled that way. 
And uh, so I had two things that I was going on. I had this education group that I was building and I had this online coaching of people who wanted to get better at CrossFit. And that grew from 2011 till now. Um, and right now we have, uh, you know, a pretty strong uh, global um, education, I guess, dent in fitness coaching. Um, we're growing gyms uh, around the world for a general population uh, with OPEX on their door. Um, and we, uh, we still service uh, hundreds of clients around the world who are serious about uh, the sport of fitness. That's our three big things, what we focus on today. Yeah, nice, man. I mean, it just seems like yesterday when I was just a young, bright-eyed CrossFitter, you know, looking up to these two guys, and here we are now, right? I was I in was my nine a, to five. I was not a very good oh, CrossFitter. Oh, bullshit. So. to the games, man. Please don't, uh, <laughs> please don't <laughs> love me in as a good CrossFitter. Uh, well, at least now you'd be at least a competitive teen CrossFitter. <laughs> <laughs> like teen? Did you say teen? Teen, yeah. Yeah, teen, yeah no. I, team or like, teen? Teen. Well, like a girl's team, like yeah. yeah, like the under 15. Oh man. So like, I, I guess that does in capability, but <laughs> team in terms of coaching opportunity. So James, maybe we could talk a little bit about that, right? Cause we, as we've, we also rode that CrossFit wave a little bit with CrossFit football, but then, yeah. you know, we, it's interesting cause about the same time, you know, there was kind of a wedge that coincidentally, you know, under your leadership, your crew kind of went towards that general pop and fitness route. And John, we made the decision like, hang on, we're, we're narrowing our focus sure. to pure performance, athletic performance, field rink. Uh, um, well, that was always the original, sports, right? um, that was always like the original intent. I yeah. remember when uh, Glassman approached me about helping them de develop their technology was more for field sport athletes. And I didn't realize that uh, there were a whole bunch of kind of regular CrossFitters out there that were just clamoring f to do something strength-based. That, mm -hmm. uh, you know, thrustering 95 pounds was not exciting to people, mm -hmm. regardless of, you know, how much Greg Glassman told them it was. Yeah, so, I, but I feel like even then, like the fitness base has evolved, right? So yeah. how do you think, James, over the past, shoot, 10 years, that general, that GPP or general pop, um, Training has changed. And what about the customer, right? Because it's like kind of, those are two different lanes, right? Yeah. Well, the first, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on the first one first. It's probably lengthy. So if I don't get to the second part, uh, then maybe bring me back, you know? Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, the I think the, the changes in, you know, fitness is always, I think, paralleled with culture um, and what people are up to. Um, and I, th I think that's largely based upon just individuals trying to find things to do. You know, um, there's not, there's not a lot that's exciting to, to, to do today. Um, and not a lot of people can attach to a number of things. So I think fitness as a, as a leisure pursuit, um, has always been there to your question on like, you know, what has changed over the past 10 years, I would say it's become, uh, more chaotic in terms of like, what, what does that practice of, of, uh, doing fitness look like? Um, I think the intention has gone sour. Um, meaning that we're moving further and further away from people act actually having the intention around fitness to, to give them anything that's going to lead to a more fulfilling life. Um, and I think there's, uh, 100x players in the game 
because in the early 2000s, there was a number of people that stood on a pedestal and said, everyone can do this. So I think that's why that's that's where we are today. So what's changed in 10 years? I have probably a, a more of a pessimistic outlook on it, but because I've kind of been through it, I think the prior and then post. So I would say that things are uh, um, in, in you know larger terms just worse off over the past 10 years. Um, what seemingly looks like, you know, it looks like health and fitness is is probably more popular. Um, but when it comes down to the data on morbidity or, or consistency or whatever, it looks that way, but it only looks that way based upon the information that's shared and what people are capable of looking at. So what do you mean so by that? Can like you, fitness. Can looks, well, technology makes it look like everyone's doing fitness and fitness is great and everyone's healthier and fitness is purposeful. Um, but that's not the case. That's a, like in many other ways it's a it's a lack of reality it's not reality uh that isn't the case for it so um yeah so i think that's what's been happening in the past 10 years what was the second part of your question well i guess how is the the psych like the psychology of the customer changed oh yeah yeah for sure there well that customer varies you know from 18 to 85 years of age so you got to remember there's generational issues that dictate people's perceptions on fitness right someone Someone who's 77 is probably remembered uh, JFK's commentary on a weak nation. You know, uh, someone who's someone who's 50, like myself, or 45 to 50, uh, probably had, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or you know someone post, uh, let's call it Jane Fonda, uh, Jack LaLanne as as their like this is the epitome of fitness execution, right? And uh, Someone who's 25 uh, probably thinks that fitness is folly. It's a diversion from life to keep up with your friends. It's like a, if you don't do it, it's a fear of missing out. Um, you know, I mean, it's, there's no no connection whatsoever to that age group for what fitness would mean. It's either you're a no one if you don't do it, or this is going to make you more moral by you being leaner. You know, that's the perception of it. So, I think the psychology of it is largely based upon the age of that person, which we're discussing. Um, and, and, but to make it brief, so it doesn't get lengthy, I think it's very chaotic for the market. Um, way, way too complex and way too many choices. And, uh, with regards to how people share information today, I'll just give you a small story to it, which big, it's a big struggle we deal with to like teach the market around good fitness intention. You know, we can spend 90 minutes with someone on a consultation process, for example, of like trying to build a good relationship. And, you know, when you ask them five times during that consult around saturated fat and it, you know, how positive it is to their health. Right. But, but then they leave and by the next day, they've gotten like 22 different stories of saturated fat, right. That you have to rewind. And, and you see what I'm saying? So a hundred percent, James, like what is the market, what is the market psychology? They're really, really exhausted, honestly. On uh, that's my in-laws, well, John. Well, no, but it's it's because information's become so accessible, and there's yeah. really no barometer anymore for. And what's we have no filter. Like well, we haven't been provided a filter. Well, we also don't know what an expert is. I mean, before there was like, um, you know, somebody had to have some ethos built in to where, like, hey, I'm going to listen to this person because of this. Now, with like the, I guess, and you brought up a good point, the visual nature of like social media and what we're seeing with fitness. As long as I'm in good shape, I know what I'm talking about. And I mean, and, and as you know, being in good shape, 
uh, is just kind of a visual. It could be a camera angle. It could be Photoshop. And really, there's no parameters anymore for like for fitness. I mean, I think it's um, I think what uh, what Glassman did was pretty sharp in terms of like creating a definition of fitness. The problem is in his Glassmanian megalomania, the idea of there's only one definition of fitness and it's my definition instead of saying like, you know, there's a universal definition of fitness. Every sports scientist that's ever walked the planet has defined fitness as their first endeavor. Or it's individualized. Like, well, it should be. It should, it should go back to the individual. What level of fitness and what do you need as an individual to attain your goals? You know, if it's, uh, you know, and just telling everybody that it should be. The demands of a professional yeah. athlete are the same as an elderly woman, right? But we know. Oh, is that what it was? Case. Yeah. But there was the, some romantic. But we know that's not the case. Well, I guess for like a very brief window, it it could be, but then when that professional athlete is seventy five years old, <laughs> maybe right. Well, I mean, but I mean, James, you you saw this too, and you really uh, diverged because you had two tracks. You had your like uh, high level, you know, fire breather, door kickers. I think they're uh, big dogs. Yep. And then That's you had your kind of like general population. And the problem was like the line just kind of got blurred, where everybody thought like I had to show up and be a you know CrossFit Games ready to be fit. Yeah. And and like that level of fitness is only needed for a very, very small percentage of people that are actually using it for the point at which it's intended. Yeah. And the problem is, is, you know, you take some I mean, it, I mean, I'm sure uh, James has got volumes on this, but there's uh, metabolic adaptations. There's probably some genetic factors and a lot of key things that play into somebody being able to handle that much volume and intensity over that amount of time. And they kind of naturally select for it. Um, the problem is, is when you put everybody into that model that don't have those, I guess you could say genetic or, you know, metabolic adaptations, then just fucking shattering on the rocks. And I think that's what you saw, uh, probably going throughout was these people that were chasing this idea and just ended up just in worse shape. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think the, uh, I think what may, um, wrap around those areas, John is, uh, stuff. I think it takes a lot of time to kind of see it shine out but it's intention um and i think back to your previous point on like the the fuckery around the fitness dose and like is it connected to health um the definition itself just as it sits by words and text is fantastic right but like you said the application is where it gets a little muddy and how that ties into what i meant on intention i just think no one had the balls to ask the hard question around what a beacon is and what's utility inside of fitness, meaning that there's a time component to fitness as well. So the definition unto itself in words are just fucking words. And if you sound really smart and you preach to a dumb audience or, a, a, you know, an audience like myself who knew how to fall in love with cults or listen to a message that sounded different than what you were just hearing. Um, you can see the psychological manifestations that come with that, you know, you're like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. But then you get both tracks and then you can, I think you saw a question that you're leading to. Um, and I can touch on a tiny bit, but those are two very clear delineations and the clearest delineation is based upon intent, not based upon genes or adaptation, or it's not that that's not included in the self-selection, John, to your point is that no one decided to say, what is the intention of it for fitness? So think about that. What's the intention of fitness? 
for general population. We have to come to a fucking agreement on that, right? Well, so what's the agreement? Do you want to shuffle around and fucking be a slobbering idiot at 85 on medicine? Okay, if that's not what you want, then what do you want? Do you want to like make an impact on and contribute for the next 40 years? Then what is the fucking program that gets you to that point, right? And I can fucking tell you it's not CrossFit for 15 years, no matter how it's delivered, no matter how it's delivered. So no one had the balls or the experience to ask the question, what's the beacon? What's the goalpost? And then it doesn't become moral, right? If you're like, you want to compete? Fuck, dude, go for it. I don't, I have nothing, I got nothing against that. Honestly, guys, I think the, the area that you're in a sport participation, at least it has fucking proper intentions, right? You're trying to win shit. You're trying to beat other people. That's fucking admirable, right? But when it comes to beating up yourself to live to your 85, that makes fucking absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. So have a beacon or, and if you don't know how to do that, have conversations on it, right? Like, okay, you're 25 and you can't see fucking two feet in front of you or next week. What do you think you're going to be doing at 30, right? Like even ask the little shit, right? What do you want to do? You want to reproduce? CrossFit won't help you reproduce. <laughs> no. You see what I'm saying? It's like, ask the questions and be a fucking coach who can at least have the strong, you know, the, the tough ones on, uh, I think, is the intention. The intention's all messed up. But James, do you think that there is, you know... I, no, no, no. Go, go, go John. Go, 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 I was going to laugh on uh, when he said fertility. I was like, you know, we found an excellent recipe for lack of fertility. It was uh, CrossFit seven days a week. No carbs. Uh, 23 hours a day of fasting and no carbohydrates. So you got to give yourself a one-hour feeding window of just protein and fat, mm -hmm. no carbs. CrossFit fasted seven days a week, no, 23 I fucking hours. I remember I legitimately did that. <laughs> before my CrossFit football day, like before I, uh, like I was just, you know, the problem dude, was there was one so forum. There was like I, I one forum to, to go to. I used to, to have about. people like, uh, uh, like reach out to this. Like, w what do you think this will do? I'm like, kill you immediately. So my, my yeah, question. Well, John, you were on that thread. You were on that yeah. thread. It was me and Rob and my doctor. And I forget uh, that bio. It was, what was Matt his name? Lund, what was your doctor's another, name? Pardon? Uh, what was your doctor in, uh, in Phoenix? Yes. Jeff Drabot. Yeah, that's right, Drabot. That's right. Yeah, and uh, and we were for years taking all this data um, on dry urine testing, saliva, shit, everything, and just being like, "Hey, this is a." Because he saw it years before. He's like, "I don't know much, but <laughs> that's not good. That shit that you guys are up to." So he took all the, all this data, really, that we saw for years and years, and just get quick to the to the point. It's it's a it's not an anti aging program. Let me tell you. It's too high it's in oxidative stress. It actually ages you very quickly. Yeah, it, very it's a, quickly. It's the this same is thing. The like, sad thing. Yeah. The perception, though, on the outside is muscles and leanness. You see that, but it's but those people are right next to the most sick people in those labs. They're right next to them, not not over here in terms of performance. They are right next to them. The exact same labs. They're basically walking sugar drips right they have a1c levels that look like someone who's quasi in an insulin resistant state right but they're lean and ripped right and have unbelievable capacity and depressed cortisol curves 
and secrete EIGA scores that are through the shitter, which means that your gut is just annihilated. So now you can only absorb six foods. But those right. pecs, those pecs though, James. <laughs> but the that's pecs. what I'm saying. I make that point because the culture, you know, we can't get past that cultural phenomenon of yeah, yeah. what people look like and how we've just lost track of that for performance. Back to John's point on fertility and reproduction. <laughs> well, but I mean, uh, uh, like there, there was always a culture of this, um, you know, coming from the NFL. We used to call it look like Tarzan, play like Jane. We used to see dudes would be like, oh, that guy passed the elevator or the uh, airport test where the guy looks like a million bucks and we'd be like, Oh, I'd believe me. I'd sign him too. He's going to get cut before practice is over. And we saw that time in and time out that, um, you know, there were certain characteristics or certain things that just inherently didn't help. And, uh, it was amazing that people constantly look at it and think, Oh, this guy looks like he should be a good player. And I'm like, well, we have tape to know whether or not he can do these things. And like, it just, it was super interesting when I came to the CrossFit deal. Cause, um, there was this really interesting blurred line. Um, you know, James, as you know, you're from a sports background where it's like, I don't care how strong you are. I don't care what your level of fitness. Can you play the game? Can you score goals? Are you, are you an efficient player? Do you understand how to do it? And a lot of times the guy who was the strongest and the fittest wasn't the best player. And so, like, when people ask, like, like well, how strong are you? How strong do I need to be uh, to be able to execute my job and play at a high level? And um, it just was... Uh, super confusing when it was presented to me, but I, what I saw was a community of people that actually wanted to train because, uh, as a professional athlete, I just assumed that the majority of the world just went to fucking gold's gym and did machines and tried to run marathons. I just didn't understand that there was actually people out there that were interested in performance-based training. I just think that, uh, they just got kind of led and sold an interesting bill of goods. And I think, um, you know, James is for the last 10 years has kind of always said that. And, at first, they were like, ah, ha, ha, and then it got real prickly because all of a sudden it erodes the model. So my, my question for you, James, what was that message? So take us back to the, the 08, 09. What was that big lie being told? And I, I know John's dropped the quote, the bigger the lie, the more likely people will believe it. Oh, yeah, so nobody believes small lies. So, you got you to get big shit. So what was that message that the doctors and Lalonde and you and John were standing up and Wolf were standing up against in that board that still people didn't buy into the truth. Yeah, I think it's uh, the connection that this form of fitness in all of its forms, in all of its forms is how it's delivered. No matter how you package it, it was sold that it's connected to health and longevity. But isn't it for a little bit? Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, like it can uh, be. let me, let me, uh, if I, if I may, right. Yeah. This is the, this is the point I made. I'll repeat it. Time has to be inside of the equation of how you define stuff, right? Time has to be inside that. So, and it, I, I say this all the time to be, this is almost my first statement when I get a number of CrossFit coaches in front of me and they want to do individual design now and, and like change up this, just do the newest thing anyways. Um, you know, I say if you take people in CrossFit for eight weeks, a group of 100 people, right? And then you put people through an OPEC system for eight weeks, right? All the similar avatars. The CrossFit group is more fit, is leaner, and has higher capacity, and quite possibly shows better general, acute general health measure scores in eight weeks over an OPEX model, right? So to your point, but, but do they, right? But do they, there's no doubt about it. And listen, there's been a pile on for a decade 
of academia supporting the high intensity model, right? Why? To fucking sell shit, right? Why? You can't do a five-year study. It's fucking exhausting. And it and it and it's fucking costs money. So what do you do? You do a six-week study on 60 seconds of really fucking hard work and show that these weak fucking university athletes had a better metabolic response than walking for 60 minutes, right? Time is not in that definition, right? Now, you extend that out five years, who do you think you want defending yourself against the zombies? You want to pick the OPEX crowd. You don't want to pick a fucking sugar uh, addict or a cortisol addict, right? With low proprioception and no pecker, right? They have, they're, they're, they're done. And, and no change of direction. Because everybody knows zombies can't fucking... That's yeah. why... Uh, everybody people, knows... People like, oh, that really doesn't matter. Well, it kind of does. You'll get fucking killed very quickly. Yeah, right? yeah. Zomb- zombies run in straight lines. If you can change direction, they're like alligators. How do you know that? I, I saw... Zombieland? Uh-uh. Shaun War- Sha- um, of the Dead? No, what's the... Walking of the Dead. Walking of the Dead. Well, there's 20... Sorry, James. You have to look too far. Yeah. You have to look too far. They're not... <laughs> So James, There's I guess athletes running around today. There, yeah. um, the we're, what we refer to this on our end is like like a life cycle model, right? Mm. So absolutely, a longitudinal. There's there is a generic longitudinal curve for a diehard CrossFitter, and I don't think it's a coincidence that at let's say you're a CrossFit, um, or at least I'll speak for myself and my observation. So I'm not going to broad brush it, but when we ran when I ran CrossFit in Illinois before coming out to work for John, it was like, I noticed that after about two years of dedicated CrossFit back in 2008, nine, something like that, people would want us ultimately diverge and specialize. Like they got burnt, burnt out on it emotionally, physically. Dude, even, you can't set yourself on fire every single day and be happy. Yeah, you can. Well, that's what we thought. <laughs> so unless, unless you're an addict. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. what we saw was that the people that were able to stick with CrossFit the longest ha- either were former addicts, had some addictive personality, right. or had this weird uh, exercise um, anorexia where uh, I'm going to fucking eat like a blueberry a day and do seven wads and then or, I'm post pictures. Or, or to your point, John, there's another crowd that actually could use lactate as a fuel source effectively that had really high resilience and probably had what I would consider all the KPIs necessary to be good in the sport. Mm-hmm. They, they made dynamic contractions aerobic, right? But they use those people as their model. Right. Right. And, and they're really the exception, it, right? Yeah. I don't want to get, you know, deeply political on it now, but, to but they're the outliers. Fix the culture now on that. I don't know how the fuck you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. To, to sway, sway and go health. Right. And to say that you're still going to attach that to the design of what it is and the meaning. That's a hard pill. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, wasn't there, um, uh, when we originally came in, wasn't there like a health and wellness spectrum? Yeah. Uh, and they yeah. called it the continuum, but it's not a continuum because a continuum is a never-ending line. So yeah. I remember when they presented it as the health and wellness continuum and they wrote it up there as a spectrum, I was like, huh, okay. Um, maybe I don't fucking know. <laughs> but uh, in the middle, it was like, I think it was like uh, health uh, well, wellness. Yeah, wellness, and then it was performance, and then I want to say like sickness no, on the other hand. Performance, it, it was fitness versus performance. Yeah, it was fitness. Um, but a lot of that was self-serving because they knew that, you know, to if you were going to chase that model of fitness, you had to, you know, attempt to increase work capacity over broad time modal domains every single day. 
And as you know, I mean, you tried it. I mean, it's an unsustainable it's an unsustainable goal. And then it just leads to injury, you know, and a million different negative endocrine responses that you've gone through. And uh, so I wonder, is it um, because I'm, I'm sure there are people that are burned, but they still keep going in because they don't know any better. Is it like uh, the ostrich sticking its head in the sand or is there yeah. some like Stockholm syndrome associated with it where people feel like my whole yeah. life, my community, everything here, I got to stick with it? Yeah, possibly. I think in 10, 15 years, we'll tell a lot more. Um, I, I'm going to posit that I'd, I'd hypothesize that in 10 to 15 years, the high intensity scenario will have its own disease state um, that is just not named right now. But I think you'll see cognitive dysfunction and metabolic issues um, for a number of different reasons um, that I'm actually very personally con- concerned about based upon the, the shit that I put my, my system through for a period of time. Um, and probably for another time to discuss ways that we could discuss that for what I'm looking for is improved cognitive development for the next 10 to 15 years because of my concerns around that. Um, I think that's what's going to happen. Why, John? Um, I think it's, you know, definitely behavioral over biochemical. Um, you know, it's uh, when you find something in there that gives you uh, worthiness and, and fulfillment, um, I, think you'll, I think you'll burn every day for that. Because just the attempt of you doing it, you've told yourself many times that it's admirable and that it's something worthy about that. Um, and now there's pylons, right, with suffering and hustling and fucking working hard and Goggins and fucking, you know, the fucking life cycle is all based upon that now. So it's a very nice place to do it. Um, I think, back to your previous point, Wait, uh, uh, bio, biochemically, I think there's, a, there's, a, um, there's an addictive nature um, to, uh, cortisol and adrenaline, right? You can't, you can't derive those things without a physical challenge, right? You can't, you can't sit down because it'll become very nihilistic, right? And I I know this because we tried to rehab a ton of people to your point, sticking their head in the fucking hole and they would go for a walk and like take a week off and want to fucking kill themselves, right? It's because they, they have nothing. They have nothing. So what do you have? What's your only option when you have nothing? is to fucking go hard and do something, right? But you pull that away, they actually have this space now, this open space to think, and they never, they just were running for whatever reason it was, and that's a great place to do it, I think. Um, just, and just so we're not doing, quote-unquote, a, a pylon of a certain system, it's, it's not just CrossFit, it's, an, it's, it's the intense formula. And anyone inside of that, call it, you know, someone who's, overtraining and running and endurance events. Yeah. Cycling um, like out yeah. 12 times a week, et cetera. Like they're going there because they're running from something because there's no, there's no intention to it. If you really think hard about that. What's the, um, you brought up like David Goggins and the, which is another interesting one to me because, um, like you'll see, you know, he like ran some crazy 200 mile race and the dude had to go to the hospital. Cause I think his like either his liver or kidneys or heart edema was about to kill him. So they put him in, gave him like cortical steroid and he's like back out there and people are like cheering him as this warrior and all this. And I'm like, man, that just looks like a recipe for stupid. I mean, if you want to kill yourself, just go kill yourself. Like, uh, it's just, it's weird how things have kind of changed where now like the ability to endure through some crazy level of suffering becomes like the, uh, the level, the moniker that people are trying to attain as something to be cherished. And, uh, I'm like, yo, man, like anybody can go out there and fucking just kill themselves. 
Like, uh, yep. like, like, what can you create? How can you create something? Or, or how can you uh, do something really good? And I think for me, uh, playing football and being involved in sport, there was always something bigger because we were training for something. The training was just secondary. And I always got nervous when the fact when, like, the training became your daily competition. I'm like, dude, we only competed one day a week. Like, you have to periodize in this stuff. Like, I don't know how you could go in and do it. And I know I couldn't. I couldn't go in and fucking burn it out every single day. It just, yeah. it's unsustainable. Yeah, the uh, you were indirectly asking a question there. I, I've had some thoughts on it. I probably need to sit down a little bit more and think about it. But I think the big question we should ask is, why are these individuals in what you described being a beacon for people today? You know, why, why, are, why are people looking up to that kind of thing that's happening? I think that's where we need to sit for a while because um, it's not a right or wrong, but it's fucked up, right? So, uh, you know, why, why do people you know, clamor, you know, like a million likes around that exact story, right? Of going to the hospital and just getting back out there. Um, why are those specific people, you know, standing up on a pedestal talking today and being the leaders of what's considered health and fitness, right? You know, that that's a that's probably a deeper, longer story another time, but I think that's where we need to ask the question is why are they in that place? And I think I'll just say something just next to it as a possibility why you know, a whole ton of people are lost today and they, they want to have something to attach to that, that is somewhat admirable because being content and just fucking being in the gym and, uh, being a good father, um, and a good friend, um, and having great conversation is fucking not that admirable, right? It's not, it's not, you know, um, you know, as, as a, as a point of interest, you know, why is, you know, this whole movement around the intellectual dark web and, and Jordan Peterson, whether you like them or not, you know, wh why is that movement so interesting today, right? Why? Because I think we're trying to figure out this, you know, what, what is admirable as a human, right? And now we got people, you know, in front of 10,000 people in an audience talking about hard subjects like religion and sex for 90 minutes, and people are in fucking enthralled, right? They're enthralled. So, um, I think that's why these people are like beacons because fuck it's, it's not admirable just to be content and, and just to contribute, you know, around yourself today. I really don't think, I don't think, I don't well, think there's no, exciting. there's no validation in it. Right. It's like, that's what I'm supposed to do. I want to do something, what I perceive as extraordinary. Yeah. And I believe yeah. that this person has accomplished an extraordinary feat. And, um, I'm going to try and ride that wave yeah, as well. Up. Yeah. Go up though. Like why, why are people thinking that? Why do you need oh, yeah. to be validated on like, that's, that's where we need to spend our time on. Right. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> let's not move it towards a fucking, uh, existential or belief. Oh, I was no, going to say, James, I, I was going to jump in. You hit it right there. I think uh, what we've seen with the rise of social media, we've seen like the renewal of existentialism, that there's this idea where, you know, I'm this special person and there are these special rules that apply to me and I'm supposed to, you know, be able to move on and do something great. And uh, like, I'll tell you this, uh, like you brought up Jordan Peterson. Um, I read his book. I enjoyed his book. And it's funny. I've, uh, I've seen him talk on YouTube a bunch of times. And then what's interesting is I read the reviews of him and how people like pair him and they were like, oh, he's an all right. He's this. And I read and I'm like, man, I didn't get any of that from his book. I just got about uh, I just heard a dude get up and talk about some really difficult things and talk about personal ownership and stop pretending and like, you know, all these cultural norms are broken and you as an individual have to decide for yourself. And I thought it was extremely empowering. Um, and it's just, 
it's a, it's a confusing time. And I wonder if it's because too many people have had access to a voice. I, you know, like, um, I think the interesting thing we're seeing today is everybody feels that they have the right to say something and everybody feels the right that their point of view has validity, uh, and has to be respected. Whereas like, I'm sure you run into all the time. Like I meet people constantly and I want to talk, you know, whether it be training or this, or I think it's the best way to do this. And I'm like, okay, like where are you getting all this? And more importantly, do you have a, a position of authority to talk to me or battle me on this? Because I do like, I've been doing this for a long time. And then I did some really cool way before this and then used my level of training to do it at the highest level. I think I have a unique perspective and well, you know, and then it's like, uh, people are like, well, that's, uh, you know, uh, that's conceited or, or I'm like, it's not conceited. I did the job. I know how this stuff works. Like you're a fucking, like you have no basis to understand this stuff. You've never, like I, uh, some dude was trying to show me the other day and I made the mistake. I try never to click on people's profile. I click on and the dude's barely back squat on 225 for a triple, like literally like shitting a fucking, like a dog shitting a razor blade. And, uh, I was like, dude, my wife's 130 pounds, 127 pounds. And I know she can do that for five. So like the fact that, you know, a 40 year old mom of three is stronger than you probably doesn't give you the opportunity to start asking questions or being this prickly. Well, it's equal opportunity. It's just not equal outcome. So they should, you should well, respect what they, have to, what they have to say, but they shouldn't expect that. I just learned, I just put my shake weight down and learned what a barbell is. I'm going to tell this guy who's been doing this for three decades how it really is, right? Like, but there, there's a term this from Ruiz, the shades of awesome. So if you are in some small county Kansas track athlete and you are the fastest person in your district, mm-hmm. but then you take get the opportunity to go outside that district or go to college and run and realize what speed is. Yeah. So you are awesome and within that small Thanks, community pal. or gym. Oh, but then okay. once you step out of that, there are shades of awesome and performance. But these people, it, whether they're talking about, uh, you know, judging John's experience, teaching the squat or set up an execution, they're probably limited to that gym of 60 people versus the six continents in which yeah, the tens of thousands of people right. we're working mm-hmm. with. So it's uh, shades of awesome. I love to uh, apply mm. a, a perspective of context to that. But I mean, yeah, uh, and, and today I think everyone has an opportunity, though, to use your point of Kansas in 1992. Uh, you really thought you were on top of the world in Kansas. But I would argue that in 2019, you only got to look 10 seconds on your Instagram to see you're a piece of shit, right? <laughs> yeah. The other side of that. Ge- genetic well, trash. No, honestly, well, honestly, I mean, right? Like, that's true. I, you know, I thought I was king shit numerous times in hockey and, and, uh, and soccer of two sports that I thought I was like really good at. And then I leave and go to fucking, you know, uh, Northern Vermont, right. And fucking play hockey. We thought we were going to a bunch of rednecks considered Canadian rednecks down there. Um, and they cleaned our ass, right. We're like, we're fucking Canadians, right. (laughs) Hockey players. Right. So my point is that I don't, if I if this was today and I was 18 in Canada 2019, I would very easily be able to look on my phone and see I'm not capable of doing a whole ton of shit, which I think I'm better at. The reason why I mentioned that point is that fitness is delivered that way now, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes it confusing, right? But it makes I, it confusing. Everyone, to your point, everyone can do it. Like there's no regulation on John's point of a beacon of like who is right. We're going after this like, very admirable thing of like what's the truth and what is right in fitness and no one holds the key to answer that whereas whereas in 1999 
when I went to a party with some of my clients, people respected what I fucking had to say, oh, right? Yeah. Doctors, pastors, anyone in the room, right? They wanted to know what they could do to involve lifestyle and fitness to improve their life, right? If I go to 2019 today in my community, right? If I said, yeah, I'm a trainer, some fucking guy in the room is going to come up and say, yeah, my wife just took a weekend search. She is too. You guys should probably talk. <laughs> you see that? But that, that story right there is, is the biggest reason around our fucking shitty construct of what fitness is today. Cause no one is right. And no one, unless you're like me and you're an asshole about it, no one's willing to criticize bad ideas of this fucking guy who back squats 225 for three and criticize his ideas because, oh, you know, that now you're a fucking asshole, right? Yeah. To, to this, but no, I'm right, motherfucker. Why? I don't know, 25 years of experience, train 10,000 people, you know what I mean? Like, but, but that doesn't work today. That doesn't create the truth in what I write for prescriptions. But, you know, James, I think it also shouldn't, it shouldn't be the only, like it should, that should, how do I want to say this? Going back to like outcome, there's a high, you got to respect a young coach or young trainer who thinks they know it all and is willing to have a conversation. But that's the difference. It's not a conversation. Yeah. Now it's it's like. I completely disagree. I, I like when I was a youngster and when I was a young individual and I can go back to like high school and college where I didn't fucking know anything. And I was, you know, pretty strong. I mean, fuck, I squatted, what, 400 in high school, deadlifted 500 and fucking bench 300. I squatted 600 before I was 19. I mean, I played football. I got a scholarship. And uh, I used to ask questions and I didn't know fuck all. I only knew what like uh, old man Zangus or Todd Rice or these guys told me. And it wasn't until I got injured and tore my ACL and had some other issues where I realized that like maybe the information I was getting wasn't top tier. And I probably if I wanted to be able to continue to play in the NFL, I had to fucking up my knowledge. Mm -hmm. But there was probably I mean, shit, when I went as a young dude, when I went over to Zangus's, I mean, fuck the first day one, I just racked weights. I didn't fucking asking questions. I just kind of stood there and was just happy to be included. And uh I didn't really have an opinion about training until I'd been doing it for a, a, a number of years and was already pretty strong. And only thing I knew was what George told us to do. And, you know, shit like, uh, you know, heavy dips made my bench press go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking, you know, squatting and doing a whole bunch of fucking rows allowed my deadlift to go up. Like there were some inherent truths that we found. But what's amazing now is you have people who, you know, listen to James or listen to the podcaster here and basically go in and fucking shit out their back for 225 for a triple. And now all of a sudden they want to start talking about the FMS and all this other shit when the guy probably has never even fucking done the FMS or never put an athlete through it and still seen him tear his ACL. Yeah, but my point is there still exists in a vacuum. And I know, James, I'm not I'm not talking about you. OK, but so 25 years, 10,000 people. <laughs> It's not about, it's not that specifically, but it's where have you, where did you start and where did you go, right? So you've been on a growth, there are coaches out there have grown and broadened their perspective and understand a, a higher, at a higher level, the global benefits of the individual. But a young, fresh coach may be able to provide technical insight, right? So that's a very acute technical insight, but still they don't yet understand the global. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with your words. Back to your point, <laughs> I understand what John was saying because uh, what he may have missed there is conversation. That needs to be stretched out, right? Because if right. they said, oh, I, I know what I know and I know what I don't know, mm-hmm. that's different, right? That's yeah. different. But that's not fucking reality. Right, no. fair enough. That's not reality to our argument, right? That's yeah. not reality. Yeah. So you got to go. You got to work in numbers. That happens 1% of the time. 
I know, I coach a lot of coaches, right? They think they know what they know and they know what they do know, right? And that's incorrect. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the area there we're talking about, no one has really said, and maybe with, this is 2019. Remember, our, our profession has only been around for 30 years, maybe 35, maybe 25, depending upon how you see it, right? Maybe this takes 150 years to like, to like move out. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a profession that is, is kind of new, uh, paralleled with tech improvements. That's just weird, right? Mm -hmm. So that's probably the consequences of what we have to deal with here. But you know what? I'm going to fucking die in 40 years. So I don't want to wait for that to happen. So what do you do? You have to set up what you just called it eloquently. We have to create a language and a value around what a technician means versus a craftsperson versus a master coach, mm -hmm. right? And you have to be okay with that. The problem is is that people don't think that you can be a technician and a craftsperson for eight years and you won't sum up to be anything. That's what people think today, mm -hmm. but they're completely incorrect. You can make a lot of help with a whole ton of people with not knowing shit just by having the principles, but where the drawn gets line or is where the line gets drawn is when you're a tech or a craftsperson and you're talking truths. Mm -hmm. You see that you can't, yeah. but you need to, you know why? Because the market says, I'm going to fucking dictate what we're going to do in exercise. So what, to your point, what does that coach do? What do they do? They have to do whatever the client wants them to do and provide truths to that because that's the fucking chaos inside of fitness today. Back to my point. Why? There's no regulation on who is a coach and the value of a coach. But to draw a parallel, I had a recent experience, James, and maybe this is a, a poor parallel, um, went to a podiatrist dude has been doing it for 25 years. Right. And I walk in and the first thing he, he pushes are orthotics on me when I have generally decent lower leg health, right? Ankles are okay. Limited range of motion arch exists, but he's convinced that, uh, I need orthotics. And then he tells me that my, uh, three month old daughter, as soon as she starts to walk, come to him to get orthotics. But this guy's been doing it like he has uh, the appeal to authority because he has been doing this for 30 years. He has a beautiful practice. Yeah, he's got a nice building, right? He's very convincing. He's personable. But I went to him, too, and he tried to tell me yeah. I needed ortho or I should have orthotics, even though he told me I don't need them. This is a specific scenario. And, I acknowledge. And, and I, I was funny. I was like, well, dude, I do a ton of foot strengthening. I, um, I'm, you know, I have no foot issues. And I went through all these things. And I was like, hey, uh, there was a podiatrist in 1999, uh, Dr. Lee Cohen, who gave me the whole, the exact same deal. Like, Hey, I'll make you orthotics or let me teach you how to stretch and strengthen your feet. And if you, you know, don't wear shoes and do all these different things, you'll never need orthotics. So as I started talking, he goes, well, that's true, but nobody's going to do that. So it's just easier for me to make you orthotics. And I'm like, this is the same with the insulin. Hey, like if you eat a low carb diet, we know that type two diabetes basically disappears. That's good but that's a good parallel. Why don't we just keep giving them insulin? Because nobody's going to make a life change. And that's what I think we found is that um, people are inherently lazy, so they're always going to look for the easy way out. And, for, and unfortunately, we have, you know, people like the podiatrists that are enablers. But as like a general rule, if a young podiatrist came in and said, that, you know, based off of this guy's uh, pedigree and experience, um, I'm not willing to have a conversation because he's the expert, like, then do we risk like the proverbial half turkey Analogy, well, but, but but you also have to remember, as the uh, old podiatrist in Philly told me, his dad was a podiatrist. What do you think we did before we made orthotics? And I was like, chop them off. I don't know. He's like, <laughs> we, taught, 
We taught people how to strengthen their yeah. feet and how to stretch them mm-hmm. and how to avoid foot pain. And he's like, now we just mask it. Yeah. So, and, and James, the, I the, analogies, ahead, the anal- analogies are tough for it. Um, they have to be treated in their own silo. <laughs> I appreciate the analogies to open up thought, but um, those, the, the, the overriding idea that, that how that comes to like what is right and what is wrong is not for us to answer. Sure. Really. But, um, you know, take an example of uh, Judeo-Christian belief, right? So true, deep belief on it. You know, you could say, well, what's really the harm in all of the structure that's inside of that for how to live a worthy life and, and you know, and what it gets to. And just like the podiatrist issue or the fitness issue or whatever, when it becomes problematic is when there's power involved, when there's power involved of the decisions of everyone underneath that. So the power of the podiatrist and, you know, changing people's foot, that's not really high power. Right? It's not high power. Neither is fitness, to your point. It's a good argument, right? Neither is fitness. But what happens when someone who has those specific beliefs, I'll just use for structure the Judeo-Christian belief, and they get into power with that, with humans and decision-making and free speech and, and et cetera, now it's a fucking issue. Now mm-hmm. it's an issue. Do you see that? So the totally. examples are not really, you, you can't use them. They have to be treated in their own silo for your argument of this guy has 30 years and he's going to tell everyone this. It's really not power. It's not a really good power uh, argument. And I guess to and to swing back on the other side, like you said, if it was regulated and well thought out, then the individual who would carry that master coach credential uh, would have the the requisite knowledge and experience and continued education, so that they're not stuck in like the old ball coach way, you know. We're, we're going to hit you with light bulbs because it makes you tough. I've been doing it for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. And uh, listen, I know I'm crazy for actually having the discussion. And I also know there's a fuck ton of, there's billions of people who don't care about it. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not oblivious to that. I don't think by me screaming into a microphone to three guys that <laughs> it's really going to fucking mount to anything. No, being honest. Right. Mm-hmm. I know that it's, it's fucking futile, but I just, I'm passionate about it. I want to change some coaches' minds to change the market's perception of what a value of a coach is, right? So at least I can feel fucking good about that over time. James, don't underestimate the power of Power Athlete Radio. <laughs> um, no, and not to... not to, realistic, you know, not to, Yeah, not to make light of it, but I, it's, it's a noble cause because it's just sad. You know, we were talking with um, Cal Dietz. Do you know who Cal Dietz is? Yep. Yeah, so, um, and we were out smashing a bunch of steak. And he, yeah, and he brought up, he's like, can you bench 300 pounds or something like that? And we're like, yeah. He's like, you know, you can bench press more than 95% of the global population. So you're in the top 5%. And then I think like, well, our community as a whole, like, I mean, that's commendable. Like, it's a, But for a 200 pound dude, you would hope you get it 1.5 pound body weight. But when you look at it at that like global scale, you realize like, man, how much better would people be if their lifestyle supported their ability to be able to do that? Just 10%, 10 more percent. It changes everything, right? Because it's like, uh, John, what do you say? Usually when someone like they do those studies, well, if you eat an apple a day, well, that's not the one change people make, <laughs> right? There's, a, yeah, there's exactly. a cascading selection, like cascading lifestyle changes that f- facilitate improved health when you decide, you know what? I'm eating an apple every day. 
Yeah, like Whoa. the key relationship animals, right, in the mm -hmm. hierarchy. But I really don't think we, we're three generations in now where fucking no one cares about hard work and wanting to work hard in order to improve their being. So pull, pull the plug. No more power. Will, will it ever swing back or are we going to keep going less, 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 less? Um, I think it'll become a boutique experience. I'll tell you this. I, I really think... Um, There's got to be something like... Think about... Sorry, John. I just no. had a thought process yeah. on it. Like when you're... If, you, if this is... If this is 1952, right, and you're a fucking 26-year-old, right, just spit out of a really shitty 10 years, right, where you were signed up and you had to go and see that fucking garbage, right, do you think you have a different perspective of living, right, and the appreciation of community and reproducing and fucking just working out because it allows you to think good thoughts till you're 85? Yeah. How about 2001, October? How about October 2001, right? Do you think culturally we have a different perspective, right, around appreciation of security and what a Navy SEAL may mean, right, and what how admirable it is to be, maybe have some kind of fucking defense mechanisms? You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think that dictates, culture dictates, why is it important to do anything physically challenging? And so I think that there's too many generations now, to my point, I'm so pessimistic of it, unless something really fucking shitty happens, really shitty, I'm not talking about impeachment fucking garbage, right? Really shitty. I think there's no reason to see a turnaround because of the exponential curve increase in, in artificial technology and information sharing. This is the plot of the Watchmen. Is it? Yeah. The Sorry, John. I, no, 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 I mean, uh, I, I, I agree. I think, uh, I think a generation that grows up knowing that the, the question to every answer and the world is merely at their fingertips um, is not positive. Like I, I, you know, I mean, James, I know you got kids. I got kids too. And, uh, you know, my little daughter or my little girl just turned eight, which blows my fucking mind. But uh, we have these daily conversations with things where I'm like, if let's say we pull up in the computer and they can Google anything they want. I'm like, how would you find this if you didn't have the computer? And uh, they were like, ah, I would like, you know, wait for something to come on TV. They were like, well, yeah, like if uh, could we go to Netflix and see if there's something about it? I'm like, what if you didn't have Netflix? What if you couldn't record anything? What if you just turned on the TV and had to watch whatever was there and you only had a few channels? Uh, or, so we I told them I was like, write down all the things you're interested in. What do we do? We went to the library. We checked out books. And I was like, I want you guys to sit down and see what the process takes like in terms of being interested. And I said, um, for a long time. Uh, information and knowledge was not casual. You had to go in with a specific idea and go out and search it out and mine it and pull it. Like if I wanted to know about ancient Egypt, I had to go and learn about ancient Egypt. The problem now is we just kind of get stuck in this wormhole where everything is available to us and we become this like general consumer. And uh, I, dude, I, I do not... Uh, like, I feel awful for these kids, and I feel like I scared for my daughters all the time, and I try to constantly give them this, this dose of reality. Like, this is not how this thing works. This is not how we've evolved. This has only been within a certain number of years. And uh, what if all of a sudden the electricity gets turned off? What if the internet, uh, you know, they go into Al Gore's house and they turn it off in his basement? Like, what happens? <laughs> or, 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 or let's say we're in a situation where, you know, the U.S. government decides that the internet is hurting us, so now we're going to protect us and turn it all off except for Amazon. 
I mean, it's fucking like. Oh, thank God. Yeah, as long as we're going to get my toilet paper. Yeah, as, I mean, fucking Bessos, right? Uh, did I tell you about the time yeah, I, had, I had fucking Kobe sliders with Bessos? Yeah, and you didn't knuckle bump them? And, and I, I didn't fucking get them on Power Athlete Radio. That's big, my, my biggest regret. But, uh, <laughs> like, this is, um, this is an interesting thing, and I think it's almost the element of fitness, too, man. Like, with training, like, as, as James, as you know, when you started in this thing, you had mentors, you had people you trained with, you sat there and you listened. Like, if I wanted to know something, I had to call somebody on the phone. I had to go visit them and train with them and learn from them. And now it's this, uh, like everything is on Amazon. Everything's window shopping and knowledge has become too, like almost just fucking just the casual observer. The person can just passively walk on by. Like if you wanted to get really strong or get fed or fucking train at a high level, you had to go find those people and search them out. But no longer is that the case. And uh, that to me is by far the biggest worry because it's uh, it's not separating people from those that want it and those that are just kind of casually like, ah, if it stumbles upon it, I'll be okay. And I think that's what we're seeing today in the fitness world where people are just fucking casual tourists in this bullshit instead of people that are like, yo, man, this is what I fucking do and I'm really good at it. So don't listen to these other fucking quacks. In terms yeah, of like the coach side, That's right? where you go for uh, change too. You want to, I hope everyone listened to John's story there. Um, cause I coach coaches having little ones. Now I also coach coaches who are parents on that. Um, cause we know that's the case and we know we use the word like minority, right? And you said at 5%, that's reflective also of a lot of other things in society, right? Of wokeness to fitness and behaviors and et cetera. Um, I would say if you're, if you heard John there, he hit on, um, behaviors, right? Behaviors around cognition and knowledge, but you want to do the same thing for nutrition and exercise, if you want to really get young kids and people, you know, it's like, what happens if Amazon doesn't drop food to the door? Like, how, how are you getting food? Like asking my uh, 10 and 13 year old girls that question when they were a little younger, that that just sparks a thought of like, oh, well, what was it like? What is time? You know, how have things changed? What's accessible to me? But it certainly has created a more of an appreciation around our supper times or our breakfast, right? and gratitude around those people who are providing foods and gratitude around what it means to them, et cetera. It's the same thing I do for exercise. And I'll be honest, I haven't fixed that in them yet. You'd think being the expert, I would know like the words on that, but I can't get them to connect to why they should do movement. Think about that. That's hard for that, that category, right? Um, and not to pile on that group, but if you want to change a generation, you need to go after that 10 to 14 year old young female. Um, because that's going to make a massive impact on our culture in the future. Because right now, that group and everyone that enters that group over time, it's not looking good. I uh, um, not looking good whatsoever. So, so the way that I did it with ideas on the yeah. Oh, I said the way I did it with my daughters is uh, we related it to something. Like my one daughter is uh, really into riding horses, so we talk about training and lifting weights and being able to do pull ups and all this stuff as a vehicle for her to be better on the horse. My other daughter dances and she uh, she just really enjoys like movement. And as I talk about, uh, you know, training or lifting weights, your ability to be stronger and be able to hold the poses and be able to dance and move. So what I'm constantly doing is drawing these parallels. But I was going to tell you, we had a deal yesterday where they had uh, and this is the fucking state we live in, which blows my mind. They had a uh, lockdown drill at the at the elementary school where they actually did a like uh, brought in the police and did like a mock lockdown for like a live shooter at the school. And so we came home and uh, as they were kind of taking me through it and like, you know, this is what they wanted us to do. Um, my thing was like, if you were outside and you heard this, what would you do? Would you run back in the school? And they were like, well, that's what they told us to do. I'm like, OK, no, you're not going to do that. 
if you're outside and I like our school is roughly 1.8 miles, I'm like, do you think if there's something bad happened and you were outside, do you think you could get back to the house? It's 1.8 miles and it's on the same road. Do you think you could do it? And they were like, I don't know. I'm like, you don't think you can walk through the woods? We've done this. So I ended up pulling up Google Maps and showed them the line of being like, okay, here's the neighborhood. This is how we get back. And uh, what blew me away is they were eight years old and they didn't know how to, you know, get home without mom picking them up. And they asked me, they're like, well, what about when you were kids? I'm like, I was eight years old. I rode my bike to school every day. It was literally a 25 minute ride. It was like five or six miles. And uh, they were like, could we ride our bikes to school? And I'm like, I don't know if we get fucking arrested. But back then we had BMX bikes. We went. It just uh, was interesting that the world we live in is having live shooter drills for elementary schools. And as I tried to explain to my daughters, I'm like, if something bad happens, run to the woods. Like, like, don't go back in the stool. Don't be like, think about like rats in a box. Don't get stuck in the box. Go outside. And uh, it was just like, man, this is the world we live in. But also the fact that like, because that's the world we live in, kids aren't riding their bikes to school. They're not doing these things. Like they don't understand that. Like, <clears throat> I mean, we had one kid, I think when I was in elementary school, who was pretty heavy and we were like, Hey, you want to ride to school? He's like, Oh, I'd never make it. And we were like, what do you mean you wouldn't make it? You get on your bike and ride. He's like, Oh no, I don't think I could pedal that far. And we were like, God, that's fucking awful. You know, and like that, like, but that was a reality, whereas I don't know how many kids could do it now. So I just wonder being able to make, you know, fitness and training, you know, relate to something and making it practical, I think is really the only chance that we have. Yep. That's a good idea. Um, I've, I've played with that, um, and to some success then seeing it in their, uh, their activities. Um, but on a global scale, if, if those children are not participating in extracurricular activities, I don't know what you're using. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what you're going to be using exercises support for, right? Force, just out of pure force. Well, what, I'm a new parent, James. I got to figure it out. Well, I'll let you know. Uh, don't, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, don't, don't you also think too that, um, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, I remember reading studies about, you know, uh, like young children learning to walk in their gait and all their movement patterns based on observation. Uh, don't you think if mom and dad like train and like, you know, your kids see what you and your wife do every single day. Doesn't that just become inherent? Like that's just oh, no what doubt. we do. Like ritual. No doubt. I was talking about the majority. Yeah. Well, right, the I, 90% of parents that are not doing it and these kids don't mm-hmm. have anything to align their exercise with. It's like, Oh, this is going to make you better at your video games just to pick on that one as an sure. example. Right? Yeah. I, I, um, I kind of not have given up, which but, is ironically uh, being sold today. Cause that's one of the largest growing sports. Oh yeah. The uh, esports. Oh yeah. They, they just caged some kid a couple million yeah. bucks for winning. Um, the, uh, I, I think at least for us and maybe you're in a similar deal where I kind of figured out like we can only help those that want to be helped and, you know, going out and trying to beat people's brow and kick in the door and convince people of something that they're not already tuned up for just becomes kind of futile. And, I know for the population we, we deal with, a lot of them are interested in not only like training for themselves, but providing a good foundation and a good, you know, uh, a role model for the kids and for the people around them. And those are the people I prefer to work with. I mean, I, I'm not going to yeah. go, I'm not going to go try to fucking browbeat zombies and, and try to convince them that they need to fucking be fit yeah. to live a long life. Yeah. I hear you. Um, I just think, uh, I just think differently on that. I think, uh, um, it, it's our obligation to criticize the, the opposite of that. And cause it's a collective issue that over time, you're going to have a whole ton of people, um, even though it does cause energy, right. You can still be inspired by working hard to change people's brains, right? Um, if you're exhausted by trying to change people's brains, that's okay. It just means it's probably not inspiring for you, but 
I get, I get more energy from trying to go after that, you know, changing those brains because I think long-term it's a collective issue. Um, me, you know, we could, we could argue or even talk about the long-term consequences of changes in government and healthcare and how that's reflected back to like people's self-responsibility for movement and eating clean, you know, that's where it starts to go in the direction of it. So, you know, I, I think that, um, I, I, John, you know, if you look at my life and what I do, it probably looks like that, but you have to, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say the word that was words, but I think if you're in fitness and coaching, you do want to push the envelope out to get people more conscious of it because collectively it's not going to be good to the whole over time. Well then how do you influence that larger group? I mean, um, I, you know, like I've, I've told these guys, uh, numerous times that I thought CrossFit kind of won the war on fitness in terms of like the group training model, you know, cause then all of a sudden you saw CrossFit, you saw the gyms and you've seen like the, the rise of like orange theory and FN 45 yeah. and fucking, it seems like every place I drive, there's some Gold weird sweet. micro group fitness training, uh, you know, fucking studio popping up with this like, you know, new kind of model. And, uh, it's pretty interesting in that, um, you know, CrossFit really changed the paradigm and made this a viable deal. And the problem is, is, uh, I think from where we sit, we see that the, the paradigm is broken and what they're, these people are doing is they're kind of just burning through people and realizing like, Hey, we got about an eight, uh, eight week window to come in and fucking burn these people down, get them into shape. And if they stay after that, it doesn't really matter. We already got their life cycle out of them. So uh, what I'm always kind of confused by um, is how do you spin the idea of like longevity and like uh, not training for just eight weeks, but training for eight years and putting something together where it's like, hey, uh, this is what my life's going to be for the next two decades. And where's that kind of uh, model? And unfortunately, um, I had the conversation yesterday on it. So I think I at least have the structure or, or like, I love your idea of using CrossFit as an example of analogy to create that big change. But um, I think you could use the civil rights movement um, as a, as an example, because I just discussed it yesterday with someone that that was obviously an organic movement down below, but it was also a top down movement, right? So someone at the top basically said, no, that's not how we're going to fucking operate those rules anymore. But that top-down has to come, as you know, with a fuck ton of lobbying, a lot of pain, and a lot of people on the front lines that get beat up, right, as that idea. So how do you shift those beliefs in it? I think you have to, like, tell to be reductionist on it. You have to tell everyone for the next 10 years from a top-down approach, if you don't fucking, you know, eat clean, and if you don't exercise, and if you don't, et cetera, you're going to be taxed on these foods, you'll be taxed on this form of a lifestyle, you're going to have to pay more for this. I can only see that as sad as it sounds. Like it sounds like an authoritarian concept in terms of what people should do. For, you know where it goes, right? It gets really uncomfortable, but it, it's all going to come down to, you know, do you want a free society that wants to consume and just get fatter? If that's what you want, then you just keep doing what you're doing, right? But if you want the opposite and you believe like I do collectively, we need to have a change, not the 3% that lives up in the hills in in Scottsdale here, like I do with my family, right? That, that may not make me feel good when I'm finished, but if you want to collect a big change, as sad as it sounds, it'll have to come top down. Or to my point, I said earlier, something catastrophic has to happen, which makes people fucking appreciate living and being grateful for what they have. Right. As I said, I gave you some examples, maybe, you know, all those thousands of people that lost their lives in September, 2001, wasn't enough. Right. 
wasn't enough. Maybe there needs to be something that's larger than that, um, which is fucking sad, but I think it's going to be organic and top down. And then maybe something shitty has to happen to push the needle to your question. Talk about doom and gloom. No. First off, I'm on board, James. No, it's, uh, we talk about that all the time. Bring the plague on. No, I like, um, about 10 years ago, we were, I was teaching a seminar in Oslo, Norway. And as we were flying over to Oslo, I was sitting next to a Norwegian dude. And, uh, you know, fucking long plane flight coming from California. And, uh, you know, he didn't really say shit for about the first six hours. And then for the next six hours, I couldn't shut him up. But his biggest thing was, I don't know how you could have standardized health care in the United States when so many fat people don't give a fuck about what they eat. And he made an interesting point. He's like, you know, in the northern states, whether it be Sweden, Norway, whatever it is, if uh, if you are obese or you're sick or this, people look at you as a burden and nobody wants to be burdened. So like being in shape and Mm -hmm. being healthy and being fit was part of the culture. And they shunned people that didn't fit within it. Like you're fucking hurting me. You're hurting us. And but that only works within like a homogeneous culture like that. Uh, and his whole thing was like, there's no way you could have uh, standardized healthcare, or more importantly, like how uh, how could you be in the same pool with people that don't give a fuck, that just eat whatever they want, don't exercise, and don't have any national identity? And I was like, nah, they'll never have standardized healthcare. They'll never have a one payer system. And here we are now and we're in these deals where, you know what? Yeah, like everybody has the right to health care. I'm like, OK, great. If everybody has the right to health care, then we have the right, you know, and whether, you know, people shit on the BMI all the time. But the only place the BMI ever fucks up is when you look at people that lift weights and really a tall part, you know, percentage. But for the most part, the BMI, the BMI is pretty accurate for most people unless you fucking go in and, you know, bench 300 pounds. Yeah, you should have to like you total know. into a higher BMI. Yeah, but like, you know, like you look into BMI, <laughs> but like, hey, like, uh, uh, you know, you're sub 10% body fat and you look at BMI and and even I consider CrossFitters like James to be a little skinnier, but I guarantee <laughs> even he's on the BMI high on, on the high scale. And you go in and you're like, how is this? 5. What's that? 25.5, just yeah. over. Yeah, 25, yeah, which means you're obese or pretty, or not obese. But, uh, pre-obesity. Yeah, pre-obese. Uh, over 30 right. is, 30 plus is obese. Uh, 35 to 40 is uh, clinical obese. And then 40 plus is clinically morbid obese. So at 25, you're overweight. Yes. Yeah. So 25 is overweight. So. You look awful. I was going to yeah. say. There has to be pull-ups that are next to that BMI, right? Yeah, there's pull-ups. Plus and there's three pull-ups. That'll be right next to the fucking measurement device in the do- in the doctor's office. Yeah, yeah. If, if you can do like. I'm in on that. Well, it's a, we, we found this in the military. The reason there's no fat Marines, because Marines have to do pull-ups. <laughs> you, you know why people are That's fat in the Army and the Navy? No fucking pull-ups. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, dude, but it's, uh, it's pretty interesting that like the paradigm is that broken but yeah man that was 10 years ago and that dude and i was like nah now i see this happen and you're like fuck like it's uh i mean but fuck dude like we just did a deep dive the other day on the on the game changers movie and uh, like that (laughs) people are listening like look how red he's getting it's fucking awful it like it it like was three hours of face palms and then we did a little uh, a little show kind of breaking down we didn't get into uh, every piece but like then you have people like uh, James Cameron, you know, the guy that did Avatar creating this false narrative and pushing it out, this idea of health and fitness and, you know, what it means to be healthy and how you should eat that we know is a fucking recipe for sickness and illness. So then how is the average consumer that isn't in this like we are where we're like, no, that's bullshit. Most people are probably like, sounds about right. I guess I'm fucking be vegan now, which is what we're like. It, 
You know, they turn on fucking every second counts and they get to see James and I die in fucking 10 years ago or they turn on all the different CrossFit things that are on Netflix. And that becomes the idea of fitness, the Mm -hmm. fittest on the planet. So then you mix fitness on the planet with game changers and you're going to get a lot. As long as you can run up and hill up and down a hill in how long it take, John, 40 minutes (laughs) just to shade under a decade. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. That fucking hill was awful. dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're lucky it was so short. Oh. Um, hey, dude, if that was a 5K, I'd still be out relatively, there. It felt like a marathon for you. Yeah, but I think that's the. Dude, uh, I, was 300, I was 312 pounds, and I went to go training camp for the Patriots the week after, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> fucking, I look over and, and fucking spiel, and these dudes are like 135, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm guys, well, why don't you fucking uh, have a power equation, John? If you're so fucking pissed at that, 300 pounds, uh, I'm covered, maybe you did okay. Otherwise, you're just too fucking fat, and you couldn't move your head. <laughs> <laughs> Won't you be a my? Uh, dude, it. it uh, we, Pure fucking ego. They were like, hey, you want to do this cross the game thing? I'm like, yeah, I'll go win that fucking thing. Um, I know. (laughs) Um, I was saying that uh, to to your uh, previous point on uh, power and tying in money, I don't know where you're going to get a private institution that will get enough money to make some moves like that. You know, like the Cameron move, right? Any of those moves that are going to be made are largely based upon you know, what, what, what the market wants to hear, you know, right. Cause they're just think about it. They went out and like found a minority audience, right. A 1.5% audience. Right. And they tipped it over to like, let's say 7% simply because they knew to pick on that 1.5 that has a voice on Twitter. Right. And that's how you make those decisions. Right. But you're never going to have the majority audience that makes sense ever have enough money and power to create that kind of same kind of language, that same kind of medium that makes people go, Oh fuck, you know, um, because they're, they're siloing it in terms of like sugar or calories or whatever. And they're all doing the same, you know, nonsense. Um, and again, it's going it, to, it, it's just like a, to your, use your word. It's, it's futile to spend all that energy inside of that. Cause you're just trying to virtue signal your own fucking religion on what do you think is right for it? When really in the end, it's actually a balance, right? It's a balance of all of it. But no one's going to pick up a movie on that one, right? We followed a fucking million people who just did bicep curls and deadlifts and fucking walked four times a week. And by golly, you know, they're fucking making great decisions, right? (laughs) And uh, they're, they're... they're living life, you know? I don't think anyone's going to write a, write a story on that one. Yeah, no, nobody wants to hear the story about the dude that, uh, you know, went and got his uh, BMR done and then pretty much figured out, like, you know, here's my basal metabolic rate. I'm just going to eat a little bit more and exercise into a deficit to stay healthy. Like, nobody's going to make a movie on that fucking guy, are they? You know? No, it's... No. Uh, no. I always think that they only make movies on, like, the most extreme craziest shit. And yeah, that's the 1%, right? Yeah, so. and uh, that's what people are fascinated by. And I wonder if it's because uh, we're so desensitized that the only thing that's going to catch our notice and is going to, you know, as we're scrolling through, the only thing that's going to get a like or a click or have you click through is the most extreme shit. And uh, as you know, uh, health is almost juxtaposed from the extreme nature of it. Yeah, and as I said, I mean, I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm in a bubble, right? I, uh, I really don't think it's, it's a worthy conversation. So it's, it's, uh, you know, there's lots of chatter and there's lots of options and it's chaos, but there is chaos because there's no truths in it, you know? So, it is so, what Jay, it is. so let's, let's learn a little bit about like within the OPEC space then. So you said when we talked about like the, the definition of fitness 
how, how does OPEX take that into account? How do you weave that time and life cycle into that to define and operate within that context? Yeah, um, we, we define uh, fitness for the person who wants to do fitness inside of OPEX as physical and cognitive challenges that will uh, help them fulfill what they want to do in their life. Um, so we tie fitness into being a service medium to deliver what they want to do, right? Now, what's inside of what they actually do? We obviously have, well, if you don't know, we have pretty strong adamant principles, what that's going to look like. Back to my previous point on a well-defined beacon of like what living long and what being fulfillment is. And when you're not in that sweet spot, right? If people are like, Oh, I want to live long. And then they're like, next couple of weeks, like, I want to do fucking thousand thrusters with burpees in between. It's like, let's go back to our previous conversation, right? And align that correct kind of, you know, dose response relative to what you just said. Um, so that's how we're defining it for the OPEX language. Do you think it's, you know, going into this space, is it that when people within the realm of fitness, they just don't know what they want. Like, Hey, what do you want out of your life? Yeah. Like, what are your values? What, like, what, yeah. what pushes you to the hey, best we, version? We ask, we, we know we're, you know, as I said earlier, based upon their age, we know they may not even be aware of like what the fuck life means or anything around it. But uh, the way that we set up, you know, SOPs for the coach to understand that is that we have deeper, longer conversations on them trying to come up with priorities. Right. So we recognize that, priorities what we call them priorities not values values gets fucking stuck into right and yeah. wrong so we call them priorities and we know that those priorities will change and evolve and we also know remember inside the system that that conversation we have on that day that's not your fucking answer to your life's priorities right it's just what your priorities are right now like what's important to you right now with the caveat right with the caveat that opex and that coach does come in with a belief system right we're not just like well, I, I call our, our shit more coach-centered than client-centered. I'm not anti-positive psych, but I know going that route allows a quagmire of fucking issues. I call it dancing with the client. Oh, you want to do that? Okay, let's do that. Oh, you want to do that? Okay, let's do that. Let's all be happy and move forward. And the coach has to come in with some belief as to what you believe is like the best path, and you connect that to what their priorities are. And you answer those priorities again in those consults and and why I set up gyms and why I set up our system is that it's set up to create autonomy for the client, right? Our, our system is set up to teach people skills of exercise and nutrition and behaviors because we don't want you after 10 years. Mm -hmm. We you, like, if you're here, that's great. If we're like, you know, pounding it between sets of bench press, good. But if you don't know how to fucking, you know, prepare broccoli after 10 years, <laughs> there's a serious problem to my system. You know what I mean? So our beacon is autonomy for you to fucking navigate this thing over time. And we're going to get there with that belief, you know, based upon determining what you're saying right now is priorities with the opportunity to have this challenge on the table to ensure your priorities are not aligned incorrectly relative to our beliefs. So then what's the strategy to monitor uh, evolving priorities? We'll call it conversation. And that's yeah. why the system is set up for, true coach daily on the floor touches in person and monthly big consults. That's our system. And why we set it up that way is to not have those issues that you may unconsciously be bringing up in questions, which are great. But I found that after all my experience, that's where the gap was lost. 
is that we have all these ideas on exercise and then we have all these behavioral things, all this positive talk, and then no one tracks it and keeps people accountable in that process, right? In an in-person scenario, which is why I hit so hard on the group model, right? There's no fucking way you can track relationships and track those little things in a group system. You're not taking out, you know, 20 to 30 minutes for 150 clients every couple of days. You don't have it. You're not doing it. So what are you doing? You're just making them sweat. I mean, good luck. Yeah, see you later. That's good. You know, so that, that that's just not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so then, so what would a successful, like the most successful implementation of an OPEX gym look like then? Because there's a scalability yep. issue and, and yep. you know, it's obviously intended not to necessarily scale with like an owner operator. Right. Yep. So you need a, you need to have switched on coaches so what, what would that look like in terms of like a mega OPEX gym? Or maybe that doesn't exist. Uh, it, it, it does indirectly, but I think your, your way you're asking the question is incorrect because you're okay. assuming your context is based upon what your definition is of a mega gym. Sure, right? sure. So remember that my definition of the gym is, is, is the micro gym model. It actually is a fucking gym, right? It's a, it's a thing. And you're going to have, you know, first of all, I have 3,000 plus now coaches that have gone through CCP. So I have decades of opportunity to fill in whatever that scale looks like, right? To quickly get to the point, it looks like an owner operator with a couple of clients and they eventually get to the point where they need to have another coach. And we could jam out on all the systems that are inside, which are so fucking lengthy, but it's always going to result in the coach having a career. That's the, that's the beacon that we have inside, right? It's always based upon whatever money sharing is going to be capital to the business, capital to the owner and capital to the coach, Right. So everyone gets their correct individual design and the coach can fucking put braces on their kids over time. Right. Mm -hmm. If you have autonomy as your goal for your client, that client may leave in two years. They may leave in 15 years. Right. So you're going to have an opportunity for more coaches, i.e. CCP, that will come in if you need it. Right. With the same language, the same knowledge, the same beliefs. So you can scale up and have more clients if necessary in that model. And then real estate and square footage and wherever the fuck you are dictates you know the success of that um but i will say because it doesn't sound, sound like it's fucking butterflies and rainbows um our system's not sexy right and our system talks about the long game to john's point and your guys point earlier that's the essential reason why we don't have a thousand gyms right now the concept itself i would argue makes the most sense than any system out there i would argue that for my uh, not not my idea i fuck this is drummed up from my previous mentors who did this so long, they just didn't put it into a package and scale it, right? It makes the most sense where everyone wins, but it's not sexy. And we don't sell the fast track program. And so therefore you can imagine in that market, we really really gotta do a fucking lot of work on client acquisition because we have to change psych in the market. How do you do that, (laughs) right? Fucking good question. But, you know, and, and I know we're at that problem now because we're not seeing in regards to what I would like to see scale of OPEX gyms where, and then of course you measure it. And over time you recognize like, Oh, people don't want to do that. <laughs> they don't want to fucking no, they don't hard work like exercise is for the next 10 years. You know what they want? They want to get the shit kicked out of them. Right. Yeah. They want their, and, and people are selling that there's dude, there's 30 businesses online of 21 year olds that are making a killing selling marketing alone for a scaled metric system to get clients into their facility. Think about that. 
right? If you were to put all of the money inside of coaching education to change the psych of the market, we may make a dent, but all the money is going towards uh, young whippersnappers developing business protocols to get clients in front of people in their gym with super high retention. Why? Because there's shitty intention and no one sticks around because they want to go to the next thing based upon cost or getting burnt out. It's fine. We've said hard work isn't sexy. Yeah. I wish we could fucking well, make, words. We could yeah. make hard work great sexy. T-shirt. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's fucking consistent. That's the theme of our conversation today. It's like, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it doesn't, doesn't look... But I don't even think it look intentional. It doesn't look worthy. Well, and it's like, and you're, you're only going to, you know, have, you know, like Nicole, who I met with the other day, you know, she's been with us for two years. She now like, fucking fucking love this fitness thing. I may want to get into coaching over time. So we go through this whole story, right. Of get, getting built up and education, et cetera, around that. Um, but she's not marketable. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, she's not gonna, she's not someone we're going to put up on a fucking whiteboard somewhere. Right. I paid 380 bucks a month at this place, you know, for two years, two year contract. You know, I didn't lose much weight, but my feel, you know, I feel better and my cognitive, you know, I mean, that's not, it's not sellable. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I guess I want to wordsmith it, John. It's not like hard work is probably, I think it's smart work or just work, like work, effective work isn't sexy because yeah. people do want to work hard. That's the problem. Uh, well, no, they don't want to work hard. What they want is they want the endorphin response and the illusion of working hard. Like if you can bring somebody in in, uh, in five minutes, fucking torch them to the point where they get this, like uh, what was uh, what was Glassman's potent neuroendocrine response? Yes. Isn't that what he fucking used to spit? I'm feeling that right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, and like, I, uh, like. It wasn't that response. That was the thing. They no, it wasn't. Call it, right? <laughs> no, that it was. It was an adrenaline. Exactly. Response, it's, it's, it was the fight or flight. Changed. It is. It's a yeah. fucking scare tactic. You're scaring people, which Dude. results in thermogenic changes, right? Which is very marketable, which is pain and suffering, which is admirable. You're worthy. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. No, well, it, it goes back, like you said, you kept bringing up the Judeo-Christian deal where the idea of like suffering or salvation through suffering, you know, I, I like um, I made a joke one time that um, you saw in the, what was it in? Uh, was it the Da Vinci Code where like the one dude Silas had like the uh, I think it the was. cuff around his leg that like had like the spikes and he would tighten it yeah, the yeah. suffering a lot I used to joke I'm like sounds like early CrossFit let me put this <laughs> fucking thing on your leg and tighten it down so that you can fucking constantly wait. have this fucking suffering and uh, you know the analogy and I remember when I first went in and trained at, a, at McKenzie's CrossFit gym my thing is like how do you build your city if you fucking blow it up every day and he's like, no, 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 the, the city becomes stronger. I'm like, you're literally dropping a bomb every fucking day, dropping a nuclear bomb on your city. How do your buildings ever grow? I'm like, maybe day one, but like there has to be progression. You have to be building into something and there's, there's no progression. There's no building. There's not enough of uh, repeated tight movements that allow me to track progression. You're just basically creating these innocuous workouts and allowing us to just try to go faster. Like it just, to me, it, it didn't make a ton of sense. But what I saw was a whole bunch of people that fucking wanted to get better. And I remember what attracted me to this market was, uh, was actually the individual more so than the methodology that they were fucking burning themselves with. So I tried to be a beacon of intelligence and be like, Hey, why don't we pick some other things? Let's see who gets real fucking strong. And then if you want to do this shit, you can do it. Yeah. Good analogy. What else? So, you know, with that said, I think you've done a lot of great work, James, in like, uh, let's say rationalizing fitness. Is that a compliment? I hope that doesn't like offend you, but, um, uh, 
as you look over the fence over what we're, we're, we're working hard in terms of, you know, really defining athleticism, creating a systematic approach uh, to honor the life cycle, the competitive life cycle of an athlete, right? So, you know, to use uh, John's daughters, right? They're probably a few years out from a competitive window, but once they enter that, right, how do we foster and continue to tend to the athlete to ensure that they're operating at their peak potential and really push them beyond that. And that to us is the expression of athleticism, right? Um, I don't know whether or not you've given it much thought, but I'd be curious to hear if you were to evaluate and tackle a lack of athleticism or trying to foster that in a young athlete, how would you define that? What, what scope would you put out there? Yeah. Um, what scope would I put out there for athleticism? Um, I don't know. I first thing I thought about is the, uh, I do have multiple examples to draw on from just personal exposure from trying to make people athletes. I think what I go back to is the point I made earlier of your admirable attempts of how you defined these physical challenges and how people and how you want them to get better at it. And I think that's admirable, meaning like the intention is correct. Um, and I'm not swaying it to a different uh, argument of it or conversation, but we, you have to, you know, you have to say what is and what is not in order to define that life cycle to work back. And, you know, so I define an athlete, uh, differently. I define an athlete who goes for pleasure points, prizes, and pain. Um, and it's not connected to biology, right? It's an unnatural. And of course I'm, I'm, I'm covering a whole lot of territory when I say athlete. Okay. Because uh, there is some that like squeak out, but mm-hmm. my mind for athleticism, if you're going after that, you should be going after the fastest, highest peak of expression for the shortest period of time. Because essentially, if you try to stretch that out, you're going to miss the point on when you need to be as athletic as possible because you're so connected to how fucking how much broccoli you need to eat because someone told you it's it's healthy to be an athlete you know what i'm saying so there has to be a clear delineation of that i think vitality is over here and athleticism is way the fuck in the opposite direction and so that's where i start with it on because and as i say i put a lot of people through that and i did it myself and i coached a ton of people in there and it's fucking admirable right you know why because at least you're going after something right and there's nothing wrong with that regardless of the fucking outcomes uh to your point on life cycle um i think you guys should build it out in what would be considered sport mastery application or sport mastery language in in clinical or in white paper uh kind of knowledge or terminology um and kind of back room you know keep the cards in place of what it means for longevity right Mm -hmm. but you do need to build out the life cycle meaning Um, I don't think you owe it to that young 21 year old whippersnapper, right? Because he honestly doesn't give a shit about his knees when he's 38 or orthopedic issues that comes with that. But backroom, you guys need to build out the life cycle. Like I had talked about till 85, right? If you don't build out that life cycle, like what are you going to be doing from 50 to 85 for hormones, for cognitive function, for orthopedic, you know what I'm saying? Like, why don't you build that out? If you don't, then all you're doing is trying to figure out the definition of athleticism in this short window, right? So you got to build it from fucking like three years of age to 85. And if you think that's useless, well, you're just, you're just missing my point on why I think is the utility of building that true life cycle. 
for athleticism, I think it's very sport dependent and sport context. Um, I would only be able to draw on some of the knowledge that I have of motor learning or um, motor pattern development. That was my background, what I did in, in school. Um, and there's, I, I go directly to the program design that people should get is based upon what they can express. So if you're talking about expressing athleticism, um, then you have to be able to say, what can they actually express physically, biologically, cognitively at that period of time? So you got to say, what can a 13-year-old express? That's different than what a 21-year-old can express. What can an eight-year-old gymnast express? That's different than a 22-year-old university gymnast. What can they express? Um, and I, I would then start there because that will lead you into like saying, well, maybe their age and their development and how they've oriented this sport dictates what we should do for athleticism. I would go there. Um, and then next, try to tie in this whole concept and belief that if you want to get good at a sport, you probably want to be really good at the fucking sport and you want to play the sport really good. And then you balance the tactics and strategies that are necessary to be good at the sport that doesn't get enveloped by your biased idea that strength conditioning is going to improve that said sport. Then you can get down to a mechanical metabolic model of saying, these are the KPIs that are required for your sport. This is what we know to be true as to what you can express. This is your sport and this is how you need to be good. And here's the areas that you're missing out on based upon what knowledge is or evidence has showed. Then you just work in those two simple buckets of mechanics and metabolism of what you need to do to improve those key performance indicators that make you better at the fucking sport. If you're better at the sport or you can express the sport more effectively, you probably are doing, I guess, athletic things, right? Um, and then it takes, I believe, specialists to see those key performance indicators and how to actually fix those things, like force development, change direction, ground contact time, rate coding, fucking tactics, strategies, et cetera. That's not my shit to do, but I know it does exist, and that's where I would go for that athlete answer. Yeah. Falls within falls within the framework of our, you know, the principles we've laid out, right? And it, it yep. comes down to individuality, specificity, right? Those are two paramount themes I've heard I heard in your explanation. Um like there is no broad. Within, no, but I, I, said. I think it's really interesting in terms of like uh, the lifestyle of a, a lifestyle life cycle of an athlete. And I know you use the word athlete as kind of all encompassing, which mm -hmm. was uh, is an interesting thing. I, I before I came into this crossfit thing coming out of the NFL, I just assumed athletes were people that did things athletically. And I didn't assume that the general population did anything athletically. And it, I was most amazed when I went to the CrossFit level one and I actually saw normal people doing something that looked like some form of athletic-based training. And uh, then I think it was Kelly Starrett that just started calling everybody athletes. And I'm like, I don't know if I call those people athletes. I call them sufferers. I don't know if they call them athletes. Like, what are they using it? How are they using this fitness? How are they using this performance? Like, what's the, the top pyramid and, like, with the sport? And um, I think what, uh, what derailed it was when the daily competition of the workout became the end goal of the sport. I mean, for me, it was like uh, the training only was as good as what it allowed me to play at a high level. If I couldn't play at a high level, then regardless of how great you think your shit is, it sucks. And it yeah, like, and, like and, Nike, yeah, yeah, Nike did it. Nike did make that claim explanation. 
Um, I don't need to get lengthy on it, but I'm in complete disagreement of the athletic pursuit or people. They, 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 I don't give a shit if people think that they're trying to express athletic things. You know, I tell people, and we clearly trying to find a language for that up front, you are not an athlete. You are not an athlete. I think an athlete is a very honorable, admirable mention um, with that kind of intention that I said, you're fucking trying to rip people's eyes out, right, at the end of the day. And if you, you think that's not the case, you've fucking never been an athlete, right? Because the intention is there for a different reason. So if it looks like athletic things, to your point, John, I would, I would agree with you. I'd argue till I'm fucking blue in the face that that doesn't mean they're trying to be an athlete, right? That's like saying someone who's out back just fucking going through a ladder is an athlete. Because yeah. that's what, it's what these education companies are selling today. Well, Again, it's, you know it's why? What, it's what because comes people it. want to think they're a fucking athlete. Well, but uh, you're not. As I've told the world before, the best, you know, uh, the age old one, the best trick the devil ever played was convince the world he didn't exist. The best trick that Greg Glass or Greg Glassman ever played was convincing the world that athleticism and work capacity were the same things. And that if you came in and you got sweaty, you were an athlete. And to me, it's like everybody wants to be an athlete. That's kind of the the fucking golden ring. That's the pinnacle. Athleticism is the ultimate fucking pretty girl in the room. The ultimate, you know, you can turn on. It doesn't matter what sport it is. The highlights are the people doing the things that are by far the most difficult. The things that are like, you know, that make you take your breath away. And those are the best athletes doing the greatest develop or the greatest display of athleticism. And uh, I think that's the gold standard, what people are hoping for. And they want to they, they want to be encompassed in that. They want to be wrapped up and be like, well, I'm an athlete, too. And it's this yeah. I'm OK. You're OK. We're OK together. And uh, like you said, man, like it's fucking bullshit. And it yeah, always, I think we're seeing the same thing. I hope yeah. we're not tossing packs. Talking no, past no, I'm, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. Like, OK, because displaying athleticism does not intentionally mean you're an athlete. Bingo. Yeah. Well, but right? great athletes have to display athleticism. Just oh, because, just because you but can, it doesn't define. No, right? but, ju- ju- but just because you can coach and you can move through fucking speed ladders pretty good, where somebody's like, "Wow, that's pretty athletic." That doesn't mean you're an athlete. It just means you can do fucking speed ladders. Exactly. Like that was my rip. Whenever I see these guys doing these sports-specific training camps or training football players, and they're doing a bunch of fucking fuck aroundness, and I'm like, ah, like, oh, this is you know, we're doing sports-specific training, and I'm like. There's no fucking ball on there. Sports-specific training is done within the confines of your fucking sport, not just fucking hopping through ladders. Oh, yeah. It's surprised you didn't, like, show us to be like, yeah, I'll show you sports-specific training. Someone tried to go through the first ladder, and you fucking tackled them. Like, <laughs> Boom. Uh, that's it, the sport uh, right there. Try that know, now again. You know, Kelly Starrett played football at, uh, at Colorado, and he got hurt, and I think he uh, didn't finish out his time, but I remember we were I was up in San Francisco, and Kelly was funny. Uh, this is why I was still playing. And he's like, man, I haven't been hit in a long time. He's like, just give me, like, a two-hand, like, fucking shot. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I fucking hit him and uh, knocked the wind out of him and knocked him down, and he was like he's like, don't ever do that again. And uh, I talked to him the other day on the phone. He's like, you remember you two hand punched me in the chest? He's like, that was fucking awful. It's been stamped on my head. Yeah, we were out last February working with some combine guys at Dave Spitz, and John was showing the offensive line group his expectation of execution of some med ball tosses and punches and the, the combination. So I was the demo. <laughs> and he lined me up and just popped me, and I was like, ah. I'm good. Completely lost breath. It was good. No fault for that one again. Yeah, no. And I, the old I, man's rusty. Yeah. You know, think about when he was in his prime. Uh, I think it's admirable you signed up for that. That would, that would not be my role. Uh, the, dude, it, uh, but it's, it's a really interesting thing, and I wonder if Nike did it. 
Like I always go back to like the, uh, you know, this idea of like, uh, you know, everybody's an athlete and it's this kind of all encompassing thing. And I think it's the fucking uh, sports companies. It's the, yeah, it it's, it's, Why? It's the because shoes. people are going to buy the fucking shoes and buy the gear to run on a weekend, right? The running, the endurance crew crew started that. Yeah. It just feels like a bait and switch. 5K, move the 10K, you get a fucking t-shirt. You're all athletes, right? It's like, no, you're not an athlete. You didn't express it. So when people come to your place, uh, do you, you know, I mean, obviously you have your, you know, competitive uh, kind of sport of fitness, big dogs kind of deal. Is there mm-hmm. like a delineation between like, hey, these people are athletes. They're doing yeah. a specific training system because yeah. they want to win the fucking sport. Uh, yeah, that's you know. essentially why we had to change the names. And just so people don't be like, oh, that's good. You know, you lose a lot of money <laughs> by fucking changing up uh, a name or a vision or we, you know, ripped down my fu- company hates me for this, you know, but we pulled down the website years ago for that same reason that we wanted to put a beacon in the sand of what individual design is, right? Everyone's like, where's your website? We fucking love free workouts. It's like, you fucking figure out what you should be doing for training, right? Find a fucking <laughs> coach, right? I'm spitting out coaches and you're asking for a workout design, right? Yeah. So, you know, that whole game, John, why yeah. we got into the blog stuff and how it helped people. And over time is like, yeah, fuck that, right? You fucking figure out your program, right? Or find a good coach. And then secondly, we had to change up. OPEX was always one thing, and we had to pull big dogs out and make it a whole different company because those lines were crossed. Yeah. And like the, the market was like, yeah, but we like the, the back and forth of having that person there, and it pulls people into here, but it fucking convoluted things. So, yes, there's a very clear delineation. When you go to an OPEX gym, uh, you have a fucking very low chance of becoming an athlete or really good as an athlete unless you think living long really cognitively well for 60 years is athleticism that I'm cool with that. We're the place for you, but we're definitely not going to be going after uh, people who truly are athletes and want, you know, that physical challenges inside their pursuit to make them better at that sport. Big dogs is online training for people around the world that are truly athletes, meaning that they will, you know, pay a lot of money a month and fucking eat peanut butter sandwiches to go to these sanctional events around the world to see how they level up as a human, right? And I think that's admirable. Are you joking that they can only afford peanut butter jelly sandwiches because they're spending all their money and not working? Basically. <laughs> but you do know a peanut butter well, sandwich you know the has sport, the same protein right? as three ounces of meat. <laughs> yeah. You, you know the sport, though. I, well, I didn't pick on that one, but you know the sport. I mean, <laughs> if you want to get good at it, you want to play the game now, this is not a fucking, you know, a blog workout anymore. You can't follow yeah. uh, power athlete or big dogs and, like, actually be good in the sport anymore. No, it's uh, it's too yeah, individualized. You can try, but well, but you'll, it, you'll do the first workout and be like, "That was fantastic!" And now you're gonna play. They're like, "Hey, ding, ding, ding! Two hours. You got to go again." Right? It's like, well, no. but uh, like, I think the days. I mean, at least I hope nobody is uh, is crazy enough to think that they could just like log on and find like you know and and hey you know if you're gonna follow something from Power at the years like all of a sudden here I am remotely just following some blog and I'm gonna go in and win the CrossFit Games training in my garage. I'm like, uh, you're 11 years too late, dude. That like, that's fucking over. So like, uh, the, but I guess people are still in that people mindset. Still believe it, dude. Uh, like it, it seems like everything, like, um, I didn't accidentally get to the NFL. There was a, a concerted effort and you had pieces that you had to go through and do this and you have to find the right people. You just don't happenstance and fall into this stuff. And I think what's, uh, what's confusing for people is they don't understand that there's a, 
a ton of fucking work and effort and program design. And I'm sure there's tests and retests and trying to figure out this and trying to figure out like, you know, if you use like the uh, EQ for the stereo as an example, you know, constantly tuning to try to figure out like how much strength versus capacity, how much endurance versus this and trying to create this almost, uh, I guess you could say perfect kind of athlete and just hope to God that whoever programs the workouts fits within your fucking wheelhouse because you know it's like shit if you're big and strong and dave castro's like okay great you're gonna row fucking seven marathons back to back you know then you fucking struck out and i think uh i I think that's where you know crossfit with some of their you know the fittest person on the planet on that single day with dave castro programming the workouts would have been a better title (laughs) more so than like you know, because here's the thing. I'll you have could, to change my Instagram account now. Well, dude, but think about <laughs> this, right? If you went, you program the CrossFit Games, do you think that you could pick a new winner? Of course. That I could what, sorry? Like if you got to go program the CrossFit Games workouts, do you yeah. think that you could pre-select for your winner? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Just you based see. upon the context, meaning I'd have 100. I know I'd have 50 females and 50 males. And the way that I think about fitness testing is to try to allow everyone to get the broadest kind of all the things I consider to be fitness tests. Right. So, um, I don't know if I'd be able to, to do that, but that's why, that's why I'm involved with the IF three is because we want to move the sport to the Olympics and get away from the, uh, media driven version of the sport. Let's, let's dive into the, the IF three. Can you explain and, and share your experience with that with our listeners? Yeah, it's 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 come up. If it's not you know uh, unknown, all sports go through this story, right? Um, uh, where over time they need some kind of governance in some way, right? And so just think about that and make you recognize that the sport has been in place for uh, seven, eleven years and no governance. Everyone thinks there's governance, but one person makes the decision on the entire sport. Let's just pause there for a second so people recognize what's considered a sport and what's not, okay? So one person makes the decision. So it's not governed. And then you can get, you can get like, you know, your panties in a notch when you hear the word governance because everyone ties it to like regulation and fucking social democracy ideas in terms of growth for sport, et cetera. That's part and parcel what it is, but it's not the whole thing. Um, it's there to create longevity for a fucking coach and an athlete. And the way the sport is set up now, there's no hope no hope whatsoever for the athlete or the coach, meaning as a whole for the sport to grow. So Gretchen Kittleberger, Kittleberger who used to work with uh, CrossFit HQ as a lawyer a number of years ago, had this concept and idea to build governance around the sport. I came on board, we got together and talked about these ideas of creating a beacon as to how, what would be the defining aspect of truly making it a sport. And before anyone gets you know pissy around the Olympics, I'm past that. I've transcended all the bullshit that's inside of that. I still believe in my mind, it's a great Olympic, it's a great sporting ideal. So if we move towards trying to get it to the Olympics, it's a secondary thing that's going to happen with it, which will be global governance of it being a sport. Like this is actually a sport that you can train for, build a career in, build a whole system around it. Um, And I'm doing that because... You know, uh, honestly, I think I probably have 40 years to work on it. It's going to take that long to kind of to kind of put something together that lasts beyond my time here on this spinning planet. Um, so we have this, you know, 2028 in L.A. We hope to crown the uh, first, you know, male and female Olympic champion inside the sport. 
um, and we're working backwards from that. We now have 30 plus countries that are governing bodies. We need to get 40. We're recognized by GAFE. We have 70 countries interested in governance. Um, we're probably, if you do the research, not to toot our horn, but we're one of the fastest growing governing sports, which makes sense because obviously fitness is not like brand new to people, but the concept of it being a sport has grown years back. Um, and we are a nonprofit system, only our time, we're not getting paid for our time and all the efforts we're putting into it. You can imagine all the education that needs to be built for that, for coaches and athletes, and it's fucking exhausting, but it's, it's uh, admirable. Um, and we want to define the sport so that people can do this for a long period of time. Sorry, I was lengthy on that, but that's the IF3. And How would, just curious, how would the execution of an event, say we're at the 2028 Olympics, yeah. would it be the, the workouts, the training, the competition presented beforehand? Or yeah, would we, it be that day of? Yeah, I'm not sure if you've been, you know, I'll just tell the folks he wasn't, uh, he didn't throw that softball over for me to answer this one, but it's generally the question that's always asked. The reason why people always ask that is the, is the shit philosophy on the unknown unknowable, right? Yeah. Um, I've, I've had my time in fitness testing. I fucking tested so many people and groups of people. Um, I derive my fitness testing parameters based upon sport culture and what has been around and have been really successful in that. Um, the decathlon is one event you can look at for history in terms of the literature on that is fucking, I haven't even gotten through 10% of the literature on the testing of that. Um, but that's where I get my molding of how to determine fitness events, how we do it to be very simple. We create structure of characteristics that the coach and the athlete know they'll be tested on, but what's inside of those tests are slightly different relative to if it's local and in fucking Kansas if it's a state regional one relative to it being national world level, Olympic level, et cetera, it changes by quality, design, intensity, et cetera, et cetera. But the structure is the same. The first event is endurance. The second event is strength. The third event is body weight. The fourth event is skill. The fifth event is mixed. The sixth event is power. Athlete, the peak expression of training. Any guys we, finish yeah. with, we finish with the sweet shit. So is there, let me add, like, there, there's something, I've always said this at the seminars, um, like there's something encoded in our DNA, I truly believe, about the one-on-one -on -one foot race. Yes. Do, does, like, the foot race fall into uh, any, like, I guess, under that power position, or would uh, that be, like, a body weight, or is there any place, in, it, as you see in the IF3, for something is, like that? Yeah, for, for energy system expression, yeah, for sure, it would show up in that. Um, I thought you were talking about, um, like, pugilism or the middle ground between pugilism and sacrificial sport and like just being in your lane, if that made sense. No, not that deep, bro. No, I'm talking okay. like the pure entertainment of watching two people, well, four uh, people face oh, off. Yeah, on well, there's I've, issues with that. I've always you know, said that's that, what, that boxing, like you said, pugilism was by far the purest of all sports. You know, standing there, mano a mano with another guy. I mean, you Fair look enough, at like, yeah. uh, you, you know, know, like if you is. go back at like the ancient, like, you know, Greek, you know, the first Olympics, like, Boxing was by far like who's the toughest dude. I mean, well, that's been our encoded within our DNA since the beginning. Yeah, and, it's our, and I, I would say, and I'm probably biased to my motor running background, but I think it's based upon the the um, task awareness um, issue as opposed to the getting punched and being tough, right? Um, as for example, I always say like when you have to do thrusters and pull ups, the bar is not going to like 
fucking turn and smoke you in the face, right? <laughs> and whereas you have no idea in a pugilistic setting what that person's going to do, which is why football comes close to those nonstop unknown elements of forces that you have to react to, right? So that's why it, you know, deep down, it looks like a beautiful sport because of the, not the fucking toughness, which is regardless, you know, besides that point, it's you fucking not knowing what you're getting. And that's what makes it beautiful as a sport because you have, you know, I, I don't want to go off on that topic, but the power thing for the foot race, um, that's the problem we're having because technology is not strong enough to measure it. Uh, so I, ha I have this vision that by 2028 and just bear with me here so that you're, uh, if your listeners haven't got off the call by now, this is probably the time apropos <laughs> where they will. Um, there'll be a measurement device by the time we're there that will measure people's power biometrically during the event. So it won't be, it won't be time anymore or, you know, uh, what it looks like. It'll be the original definition of how we develop power and how that is expressed. And just because that's uncomfortable for people doesn't make it wrong. It's just that the measurement's not there to dictate who does, who does make power. So to your point, we don't have the technology available yet to set up this power event so that everyone's like boo, 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 across the line. Mm -hmm. And we determine, you know, what, what you just did there. Yeah. So know? like based off of our kind of like that, uh, um, uh, caller. No, no. What was the, uh, at the carnival, you know how they have like the, the boxing deal where you hit it and it gives you your score on how uh -huh. hard you're able to hit something kind of like that. Like, uh, some way to measure somebody's like, well, yeah, like cause like your, your power. And if you're thinking like in the confines, James of like fitness testing, as we know it, um, kind of the paradigm being set by the CrossFit games, you think immediately of like a clean ladder, right? So yeah. the, the, out, no. the end result is whoever cleaned the most weight, Wait. but that's not a true expression of total power production right yep. if you were to like, if you have yeah if you have a 165 pound male who loses to rich phoning by 20 seconds he could very well beat him on a power equation right right so that's pretty interesting and like the tech exists right with like it's in it's for the most well, part it's it's i would say it's kids play right now it looks mm -hmm. like it exists but it's not it's not great measure where it will be. Well, it hasn't been i guess be. integrated, I right? It hasn't been yes. integrated cuz we can track motion, we can track um altitude we can track we can feelings monitor the, the missing, muscle contraction right i should say Emotions. the missing link has been inside the military or i'll just say that you know uh, without getting in too much trouble for over a decade it's live metabolic measurement that we're yeah. missing that equation physics is there but live metabolic measurement needs to be added to it mm -hmm. yeah we met with those dudes yeah 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 we're, that uh, that. yeah that, um, um where the fuck were we? We was here in Austin. Mm -hmm. We met with those uh, guys. Open so table or whatever. Yeah, we're we're doing something with that. Office thing. Hey, uh, um, something you talked about earlier was that we're going to see down the road like uh, a whole set of like sickness and illness or like, um, you know, different diseases associated with people that have been doing extensive amounts of high intensity interval training over like, uh, you know, many days. Like, um, you know, and I'm, I won't relate it to anybody, but like, you know, like the proverbial rich froning who's, you know, trained. I won't at relate this, it to anyone. No, but, but. I'm, I'm just throwing his name out. Just, you know, similar kind of deal where this guy from a young age has been doing this. And now like, what is, what is his health if he continues like on your estimation? Like, in, you know, I know your um, Dr. Joe Bob was pretty sharp on this stuff. Like, what does that look like in like, you know, obviously the guy's probably in his twenties. He's probably maybe now in his thirties. What does that look like in his forties and his fifties? If he continues to do this at the same level, or is he just the genetic outlier? 
uh, your second part is correct. That was probably incorrect to use the unicorns, yeah. the example of longevity. Um, we don't need to exhaust why that is the case. In case people are like, no, 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 tell me what he's going to be like at 45. It's probably not going to be that surprising as to what it's going to look like. Maybe less hair and still great muscles and nice colored skin, the great smile. Um, probably still doing three or four workouts a day and being okay with it. Uh, but that's not the example. I'm talking about the million other that are just below them, mm -hmm. right? Millions of others, not fucking the top 10 you see at the games. We're talking a shit ton of people. Um, to quickly get to what I think is going to happen, I just look at it in terms of uh, biological systems. That's my background as well, and maybe may a bias to it, but you can't survive through a survival mechanism of self-will, and you can't survive off using sugar as your main fuel source, and you can't survive with a broken gut, both mechanically and, you know, uh, let's call it information sharing wise for that long without coming up with consequences that are not issues, right? So you basically have um, someone who's not obese and is not, you know, um, basically having a shitty lifestyle but it's the same underneath the fucking skin. It's the same shit that's going on that leads to that over fat person with toxic lifestyle of having metabolic disease and cognitive dysfunction in their mid forties. The problem why I see it being highly, you know, alarming for that massive group is because never in human history was there a leisure pursuit of going after trying to kick the shit out of your CNS and metabolic system, right? The, 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 John, the, the issue with humans is that we're so good at adapting. Yeah. We are adapting to this fucking nonstop stress and we're not feeding it correctly, as you know, because after two years, you either fucking figure out, oh, that's not good. So I'm going to do bodybuilding and easy aerobic work or you keep doing it, right? And I'm talking about the millions that are keep doing it and they still are lean, they're still getting the cortisol drip, which keeps inflammation low and mental acuity high during the day. They still possibly, possibly might be able to reproduce if they get it up at the right time in the right hour at the right you know time of the month in an off-season scenario. Uh, otherwise, because you break down the gut, that largely is going to lead to complications, no matter what it is. But you're breaking down the gut mechanically and metabolically based upon just what you're trying to use for fuel. And like where we're going today on the knowledge around that, if you fuck that puppy up, you've got a host of issues down the road. So do you, with. do you think most of the CrossFit, I mean, the people that are in this are obviously eating a higher carb diet is the idea of like, um, you know, I mean, it, even though you think like, uh, you know, with the advent of, of kind of CrossFit, there was this idea of like, you know, hey, like have a balanced diet, you know, you got to eat fats, you got to eat this. But I mean, I'd say probably people are more into that 60% in terms of the carbohydrate consumption. Which, you know, so is it is the gut breaking a function of probably overeating on carbs and sugars or is it the, from the mechanical stress of the exercise? It's the breakdown of protein. This was the thread we were on, right? Yeah. The yeah. breakdown of protein through the constant exercise and the lactate putrefying. That's right. right. Constant lactic exposure. Just think of it. You don't yeah. have to be a fucking genius, right? We called it lactic constant lactic exposure in lymph. What is that going to lead to? That's not fucking, uh, I feel fucking great. You're going to be a tin man, right? Didn't, didn't we call that? Barely being able to move. Didn't we call that lactic baiting? Ironically, let me finish. What do you need to fix that? What did we find that came 
the, you know, it was like, I got the fix for it. Mobility. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, you need to fucking mobilize. That's our problem. No, you need to stop exercising, motherfucker. Right? You're inflamed Check. because if you're exercising, you're eating. Not because you don't have a lacrosse ball. Yeah. yeah. No, we do. Uh, we do. Have we a- saw this. <laughs> Um, you know, we were fortunate to have te- to have taught hundreds of seminars around the globe, and when we would get into these situations, as teaching people people basic barbell movements, uh, we always heard this thing like, "I got to really work on my mobility." And I was like, "Well, dude, you're actually hypermobile. The problem is, is that you can't create stability or create torque or protection in these ex- in these like you know extreme ranges of motion. Like as you're squatting, you can't stay stable in the bottom. You've effectively over." Uh, you know, over mobilize, over stretch your CNS, done all this bullshit because you're stretching fucking five times a day. And they're like, what should I do? I'm like, stop stretching and stop. I mean, well, did, didn't we call it lactic bathing? Wasn't that the yep. whole, yeah, the, yeah, the, the whole deal about it? Yeah, was the idea yeah, of people like. People are into it. And uh, you personally, I'm trying to find some people to do some research on that. If I'm just putting it out there in the universe because um, Peter Atia talked about it indirectly. If you look at the research with metformin, yeah. You'll find that a lot of the people that they were looking at have these these alleles for using lactate better than other people, right? So there's a reason why it's used as a fuel source. I would argue that metformin will probably be a drug in the next couple of years you'll see inside of intense fitness competitions. Secondarily, you'll probably find these people when we dig them up after 50 years and we look at their DNA, you'll probably see their capabilities of using lactate as a fuel more effectively than other people. My point is, is that I think that that constant exposure to lactate needs to be researched because the high intensity model, you know, academic model today is too short to see the long-term consequences of it. And so I'm looking for people to actually dig in with true protocols that I come up with, not your definition of what science considers lactate, right? Because as you, well, if you guys don't know, what's done in in CrossFit or what's done in, in a gym, that is the true definition of lactate. Sure. When you hear lactate thrown around in the scientific community, no. they have fucking no idea what lactate threshold is. No. No idea, right? They're like, oh, we do repeats and rest this amount, run no. around, fucking do threshold. Hey, That's hey, not fucking lactate, right? Hey, uh, so, James, what, what was the um, uh, – I have his paper, and I can't remember the name uh, for the life of me, but the guy that was early in CrossFit that Glassman used to reference, and then they fucking just wiped it. But with the, uh, the first, second, and the third adaptation, the idea that like intervals was the first adaptation, and then once that adaptation stopped, you had to get into a second adaptation and then a third i don't know who that was oh, i yeah i mean i i'm I, interested I, in it though if you uh, dig it up yeah I'll, I'll send it to you but it was really interesting because uh as you're reading it it's almost like and and i know this guy because i remember rob sent it to me years ago and was like hey uh back in the day this guy was pretty prevalent and, and glassman used to talk about him and then just fucking wiped it when he realized that uh the first adaptation which is the intervals and the lactic acid threshold type training uh Basically, Glassman just kind of fucking scrubbed it because that was the piece that he was selling, that this idea that there comes a point where all of a sudden that ends and that if you want to continue, you have to look into the into the second and the third adaptation, which looks like either you got to go long or you got to get stronger and that there's this uh, effect of window to where the intervals work, but then all of a sudden they stop having the effects that they do. And I'll send it to you. And I mean, shit, I think this is was from like 2003. Well, yeah, it sounds like principles of just uh, bi- uh, bioenergy and how things work, right? So in that example, if you give someone who can't express anaerobic work, you try to attempt to do anaerobic work, what happens over time is they have to make that sustainable. So it turns into sustainable activities, right? And if they want to make that sustainable activity more powerful, you fucking need to get stronger. 
if you have someone who can express power and then they do hard intervals, yeah, they eventually just get into a lactate bath and recognize, holy fuck, I don't feel like good. My pecker's down in the morning. I'm going to do resistance training and do aerobic work because it makes me feel better. So eventually it just makes sense of human, you know, human exercise. Um, it's, it's fascinating that we kind of saw that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually stunted by your, your, um, uh, stunted by the the fact that that was there and it was present, but it was scrubbed. I'm, oh yeah, I'm no, it, it, yeah. I remember Rob sending it to me and being like, "Hey, this guy was real prevalent early on," and then uh, they just fucking historically revised it and fucking booted it out. And uh, I remember I went back and it was probably about two weeks ago. I sent it to Skutnik. Oh, uh, is as it we, in the- yeah, it's in Slack. As we, yeah, if you pull it up, as we were going through it, uh, I was like, "Man, this is fucking deja vu." It's kind of like, um, you know, going back and reading Zadiskorsky or, you know, looking at uh, Mel Sipp's stuff and like them talking about high intensity interval trainings and that there's an effective dose early in a training cycle for getting somebody's GPP up so they can get into more advanced training. And it's almost like um, we're just going to stick with this whole fucking general physical preparedness model and see if we can just kind of tweak it and tweak it and tweak it. And unfortunately, yeah. uh, it's... You know, yeah. I guess if your only response for whether or not you're getting better is whether or not you get fucking smoked every day, I just don't think that's sustainable. And I never felt it was. Yeah, it has to be sustainable practices for life. But inside of sporting endeavors, you have to have the right dose response and the right timing of the unsustainable work. Yeah. James, I know that John and I dug in a while on McArdle's disease. So when a body cannot use glycogen as an energy system. Well, their bodies don't produce lactic acid. Yeah. So, so yeah, with McArdle. So what they did is they put them into lactic acid threshold training. And I want to say that their bodies did not produce growth hormone in response to and it. Th- so that's what we were looking at. But I'm curious. I imagine if this McArdle's disease research exists, then it could lead you down a path that you're, you're trying to now. Just wrote it down. Most definitely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. McArdle's. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was pretty interesting. They, they had all these guys come in and their bodies could not produce lactic acid due to this McArdle's disease. And they put them into some intervals. And the idea was that, you know, uh, for your body to, you know, release growth hormone. And we know that there's exercise induced growth hormone release from lactate. And, um, yeah, they didn't have that response. So, yeah, well, it's, it could be the same group. You know, if you go, I guess, higher up or lower up on the chain for epigenetic the epigenetic aspect of it, they, that's what the, the metformin research probably showed the same thing. There's certain groups of people that can or clearly cannot use it. Um, well, and that's what I'm interested in. Didn't, didn't they have an issue where people that were taking metformin that were involved in some form of high intensity interval training were more susceptible to rhabdo? Oh yeah. And also it uh, made people weaker with only strength training over time. So the, uh, it was almost like the, the leptin, you know, shit that happened 10 years ago and was like, oh, let's fucking give people tons of leptin. It'll fix everything. And then with human studies, it fucking didn't do a thing. It's the same thing with metformin that the, the, the downside of it, everyone's so excited about it, you know, in terms of that disease state. But for people who are not in that disease state, or let's call it slightly in that disease state, it uh, decreased strength and with high intensity intervals had a chance of increase of rhabdo. Yeah. So um, it's actually, well, that's they, just for the general population, I wouldn't uh, suggest get well, into it they but. were trying to use it for life extension i remember geez reading a bunch of stuff about people were using it for life extension and pre- increase uh, insulin sensitivity but i always thought that that was more like the um who's the fucking bulletproof hack uh the dave. bulletproof uh dave fucking 
uh, fucking Ashbury. Uh, Mr. Uh, hey, if you consume a dozen butter coffees a day, you won't gain a pound because butter's a magic food, that fucking guy. But I think he was like proposing it as like a, a, a deal where, you know, if you do this, you don't really have to exercise because it'll improve your, increase your insulin sensitivity. And I'm like, well, so does fucking working out and doing a little bit of aerobic work. Yeah, the context should have been that the, it's it's who the people they had in that study and what they showed as the outcomes. And they were presenting with something that was required from the metformin, right? That actually gave them a better way of using fuels at rest and using fuels during exercise. But if you don't have that issue, it's a fucking shit show. Uh, James, I had Luke pull up the article. It's uh, uh, PhD. It's uh, Stefan Seller, Celier, S-E-I-L-E-R. And the name of the article is Understanding Intervals, Matching Training Characteristics to Physiological Changes. And he gets into that whole first and second and third adaptation. And if you read it, this was this guy was pretty prevalent early on in the, in the CrossFit deal because I remember Rob talking about it and sending me this. So, Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. I wonder how much good stuff came in that was effectively scrubbed and fucking beat well, down. Well, that's why... And- I- that's yeah. if it's not if it's not that's why i'm not a part of it you know you know <laughs> i was not preaching <laughs> i was not preaching after but i mean it took me a number of years right because i was I, I had my head in the sand to your point right um i, I drank it and went into it personally because i wanted to like really fuck with it to see some of the benefits of it inside um in that end i lost a lot of my body and probably a lot of my mind for my future but um i learned a whole lot of things um i have no regrets in that but it's obvious that there's stuff that I was selling in 2008 of intervals and aerobic training. It's all packaged now inside of CrossFit, you know, with a, with another person and like aerobic capacity. This is what I was like, I was fucking saying that uh, 10 years ago, which would have helped a whole ton of people yet. It was blown the side yeah. um, after the, the uh, incident down in Austin. Yeah, the black box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those are the good old days. I remember, God, what a, I was so distraught over the black box summit. Really? Just as a, like, I don't know, I man. No I was glamored. There's a show out there on Showtime, old I, show called. I was um, supposed to go, but uh, I had had knee surgery and I was still rehabbing my knee. And I remember Rob was like, hey, you going to go? I'm like, dude, there's no way I'm going to get there. I got to fucking do this rehab thing. There's a show called True Blood on Showtime. There's a stretch. I doubt any of you have uh, seen HBO. it. It's about uh, vampires. I think it's Showtime. HBO. The Our, originals? Because the originals no. is a great show. And these vampires have this, they call it glamoring. They'll like stare at their <laughs> subject and glamour them and get them to do like literally anything they want. And like, that's all I can explain how I was in my early like fitness youth, you know, with CrossFit. Yeah. And there was no other like rational blogs. It was just like, you're glamored by this thing. And you think it's the, the solution and the answer to everything and like, in I tell this, it's I used the to own neuroendocrine response. I know. I believed it. I used those words, John. I would hand out the, what is fitness article to like leads and clients and glamor them. Like I would have been glamored. I, I'll tell you this. Like, and like uh, I, I tell the joke or I yeah. used to tell the story after going to the, to the CrossFit football seminar, like, and being a former athlete, James and hearing Roth and John, like basically just it's not crazy this and it's how i thrived as a young athlete and they're kind of sound principles like i felt betrayed after that seminar like how could i have fallen for such nonsense and just like embarrassed and then well here i am now pals with the big guy and preaching a good word talking to james who's come like 
further along the trajectory than well, I'll ever uh, be in terms of like every time you say bo- uh, bodybuilding and some aerobic work, I just I, I laugh because I mean sounds it, great. Yeah, uh, <laughs> at, at the end of the it, it, well, well, I, that. that's all we had. Well, no, but I mean, uh, at the end of the day, like uh, lifting some weights, doing a little bit of bodybuilding, uh, making sure you're still strong, being able to, you know, s- squat heavy fives and heavy singles and being able to, you know, push and pull and be able to get, you know, hopefully three to four days of, you know, sustained, you know, fucking aerobic work and maybe, you know, one day a week of just doing some intervals or getting your heart rate up and, you know, doing these things, maybe running up the hill uh, 10 times. I mean, it's shouldn't be that complicated in the confines in terms of like, you know, eating and all the other things, you know, what does your sleep look like? What does it look like? I mean, it just, it, uh, it feels like the non-crazy approach to training. The problem is, is that that becomes very hard to sell. And when we talk about selling the, the least sexiest thing of just doing some aerobic work, banging some weights and having some fun, uh, like, fuck, like, (laughs) Like there's no way to create Stockholm syndrome out of that. So, which is why I think with the CrossFit stuff was so accessible is because you walk in and day one, and you remember like the old CrossFit, it's a little, probably a little different now, but you walk in and you're going to get your fucking face kicked in. And then you think like, as you're sitting there, like fucking like, don't know if it's a fight or flight, it, it kind of releases something in you. And you're like, Oh, I, I guess this is what I need. I guess I'm going to get more of it tomorrow. And I guess I walked away pretty lucky having like given four years, you know, it's not like I gave somebody my life savings to invest in uh, like Netscape navigator. Every morning fasted for 10 years in a row. <laughs> I agree, man. So I'm fortunate. Uh, that was like, Hey, a- hey uh, uh, why is it that uh, people are so romance with the fasting? Same reason CrossFit, man. It's got to be. No, it's got to be torture because I'm like, why would you purposely, why would you purposely put yourself into the deepest fucking water you can in terms of like high intensity lactate fucking bathing exercise? And let's do it on an empty fucking stomach. Oh, why, why the, why the intensity with fasting? Yeah, dude. Or just, I have no idea. Uh, fasting <laughs> no in general, idea. like I, I, I said it oh, 10 no, years well, ago. Fasting in general, I think would move into, I guess, a little bit of a different area um, in terms of something making sense over time, tying in two main things. Number one, we overeat. And number two, it's probably genetically inside of us to have some periods where we didn't eat. Sure. So that would be the two, the two arguments to at least not marry the conversation because when you put intensity in there it fucking makes absolutely no well, sense well but. that's what i mean it's like uh you know like hey uh every sunday i don't work out on sundays i don't eat till dinner like i just do like i i, I eat you know dinner on saturday night at like you know six or seven and i don't eat till six or seven the next day like one day a week and everything i looked at like i mean and you were on all those chains where it's like you know what was the ethical dose or what was the the most potent dose of fasting wasn't a daily fast it was like one day a week just fucking don't eat breakfast or lunch but why is it that people got so romanced into this idea of like fasting fucking 18 hours and crossfit and this and i just remember being like this this isn't going to lead anywhere good. You're basically torching yourself with no food in your stomach, like no energy. All tied together. I think one of you just said it's all tied together. It's just the cultural biohacking fast track model, right? It, it's, it's sexy. It's cool. People talk about it. You're someone you can share it. Everyone knows you're doing it. You're ironically sharing it, but you're actually fucking not fasting. Um, it's, it's just another cool thing to do. So, so douchiness then. So what we're trying to bring back with the new cool is like long-term incremental change. I just want to be really strong. Is that, when I'm well, like that's, 60. Our, that's our cool. 
Yeah. I, I'd, still, I'd still like, like to be real strong when I'm like 60 or 70. Same, yeah. I mean, there's like, there is a degradation, like sarcopenia and degradation of strength, right? But if you have a higher baseline as you enter that, doesn't yeah. it theoretically, don't you well, end up if, higher? If you read um, any of Michael no. wrote. No, it no? doesn't. No, it doesn't. That's what I, that's the difference in, so the athletic model is like this. Yeah. And the long-term model is like this. Uh-huh. So if you over here, you're 60 here is higher than the athlete 60 here. Yeah. Because, but that's like traditional, right? Because you had to go high and peak in the area where you needed to express yourself physically, mm-hmm. right? When you're like 25 to 35, you fucking gave it all you got, but that pulls you away from how you can express that long-term. It does. So even if you're... Your relative expression, right. not your expression compared... John's yeah. going to be able to fucking still lift the house based upon his experiences and his makeup not mm-hmm. because of what he went through. So there's going to be another person who didn't do as much from 25 to 35 who will be relatively stronger at that point in time Yeah, because of that. So, but even if, and I guess this goes into like when you were talking about life cycle of an athlete, right? The athletic curve, it, yeah. it, as they exit that competitive window, if it is a mindful and deliberate approach to training, just as they took to reach peak expression, yes. but now with a clear uh, you know, like you turn this one down and this one up with a longevity yep. approach. Does that yep. then do you get to reap the rewards of that? All, everything you did to achieve your peak or you're saying it no matter what, it's just it's this. Ooh, that's a lengthy one. Probably don't have time to discuss it, but no, it's got to do with yeah. fundamental biological systems. OK, yeah. No, I was you, just you basically you basically pull away from your aging. Yeah. It, yeah. And the secondary thing that it does, it makes you harder to resist entropy on the other side. Hmm. Think about that. So if you put all your eggs in one basket at the ages you're supposed to, and you can't express it, you're going to have a much harder time of, like you said, staying at a level for the Mm -hmm. next 40 years. It just is what it is. Uh It is what it is, but that's based upon all the eggs you put in the basket. Yeah. Good thing I peaked well, in high well, school. If um, if you read any like, um, are you familiar yeah, with Michael you fell Rose? Off hard already. Uh, so so Michael Rose's deal, um, as I've had you guys to watch numerous times with mm-hmm. the fruit flies, the idea that you know as we get back to you know forty years old, we have to eat, go back to our more ancestral diet to continue. Based on his research, uh, th- he made a really cool point where he talked about aging and is just a technology problem. At some point, we'll solve this technology problem. Uh, it's pretty fascinating if you look at like, you know, the idea like um, and I and I, I go back and something that I want to um, I'm personally, I like the idea of uh, establishing like a life cycle of an athlete or uh, an individual, let's say, that's training from that age three out to 85. Like, what does your training look like at 50, 60, 70 and 80? And I feel like if you don't understand what's in your uh, like what like where I want to be at those ages, then today becomes kind of wasted you know that it's idea of like like hey this is what i want to do in my 40s this is what i want to maintain so that i can be in my 50s my 60s and 70s and continue to be strong based off of what i think is valuable and um that's a really interesting conversation that i think a lot of people just either can't or don't want to have they don't want to have because it's not again not to belabor the point but it's not that interesting yeah sad well we're sad. all you know, oddly enough, to quote my dad, none of us is getting out of this motherfucker alive. <laughs> this was actually as he was dying from cancer. I was like, how are you feeling? He's like, just remember, nobody's getting out of this alive. <laughs> you know? Yeah, be, be grateful. Yeah, yeah, be grateful. 
Got anything else, Tex? I got one more thing I would love to highlight for our listeners. I looked up every Division One and three school that has a scholarship for esports. Uh. There are 13 Division Ones. Boise State, Georgia State, Miami of Ohio, Old Dominion, Robert Morris, University of Missouri, Montana, North Texas, mm-hmm. Wagner College, Western Kentucky, Wichita, Arkansas State, and St. Francis, and then a bunch of, and then 35 D3s, but no Naperville Central. Is anybody Air giving Mexico. out a scholarship for exercise? For like no. exercise competitions? No. Not Is yet. that part of the goal, James? Uh, long term, we'd like to keep it as far away from that as possible. Um, there's more shit okay. inside of that route than enough. there is. I'll I'd just rather keep it public and and uh, we'll we'll call it social democratic version of it. Mm-hmm. A group of people make decisions, and it doesn't get stuck inside the academic model. Um, I think we've learned enough from that. That fucking that fucks up a sport. Uh, <laughs> everyone is tying on to be inside of it just to get to that role, and I don't think it needs to be there. But mm-hmm. whatever, we may have to. You know, there's always hard decisions to make down the road. I may, I may go back to saying something different on that. But um, this is the point, just on your esports point, uh, I hit two Facebook posts on that and my disagreement in it for numerous different reasons in terms of its connection to sport, athleticism, physical activity, et cetera. And there's a lot of heated people out there who mm-hmm. didn't like my commentary on that for the naming of it for athleticism and sports, et cetera. Wow. So that is a movement that is really strong. That is not going to stop. I always, not always, I had this discussion, maybe it was you, Tex, I don't know, but it's, it is dangerous, right? Because in order to be a high-level competitor in that arena, it doesn't, it's a lifestyle that doesn't necessarily facilitate wellness and health, right? I, I guess I'm assuming. Um, and I said, It's going to come down to what they had in track and field, right? It's like the testing of the drugs for cognitive function psilocybin is like fucking is like 1950s pot right now inside in, in inside of that for what they're going to require you got to say like what's the limiting factor for these guys to win these games it's fucking cognition so mm-hmm. how can you upgrade that practice is not going to do it we don't have enough hours in the day so it's the 100 meter limitation issue right where people were like oh my god they're using drugs like what the fuck do you think is going to change under drug- 10 seconds for a human, right? It's what drugs are they using? Uh, what what drugs do you think they're taking to increase cognitive, like Adderall, Ritalin? Yeah, I'm just saying that that stuff today is we're so behind on it. I can guarantee you they're using shit that's that's fucking like I as I said, it. it's like the hundred meter game. We weren't fast enough on the drug testing to actually test people on what they were using for the hundred meters, right? It's like we're like a decade behind it. So there was a time. Did you hear Ben Johnson? They interviewed him and they asked him, uh, um, you know, like um, he was funny about it. He was like, I I forgot. He actually, what did he say? He's like, I was taking like, like the dosage he was taking was so small or at least what he fessed up on the winstrel. But uh, they asked him, they're like, if you were running today against these guys, what do you think you'd run? He goes, I'd probably run, uh, what do you say? Like nine, two, nine, three. Because they changed the surfaces, they did a lot of things to try to make it faster that he's like, we did not necessarily have. And then, uh, but I just thought it was interesting that like, you know, here's this guy that got popped for drugs that was, that blew it up. And now like everybody runs faster than him. And (laughs) that was his whole thing. He was like, either everybody's on drugs or they, or they changed the sport. They changed the surfaces. Mm -hmm. They did everything. There was a time in Texas high school track that. Tums and antacids were being given to the 400 meters. So I don't know if you ever yeah. heard about that. Yeah. I, I think we did it with hockey players. Yeah. 
we did it to hockey players and uh, we did it for, let's call it power training for the Wingate test for NHL guys. And then we'd be, they started throwing up all over the fucking place, but they, they had a good test result. So it, uh, it's, it's the same idea. It's that and putting foil on their knuckles for, mm. for the runners. <laughs> no, in hockey, the foil you never uh, saw. No, I, I'm not much of a, hockey Oh, he won't. Well, my, my, what I diverged so what they on, would do is they would tape tinfoil on their, on their knuckles. And then when you squeeze it here, the tinfoil gets fucking real hard and it's like hitting with a fucking brick. So you don't remember that movie? Uh, where the guy slap shot, slap shot. Yeah, he's, he's like, Oh, just, oh just, you'll explain he, coach, yeah. coach. <laughs> he's like, Oh, I'm just putting the foil on my knuckles, coach coach. Oh yeah. I, I have seen that. I, I guess now it makes sense. Well, I think I didn't get it. I guess if it's going to be legit- you're from Calgary or Edmonton. I'm from Labrador, but Labrador. I lived in Calgary for 11 years. Okay, yeah. yeah. My mom was from Lethbridge, or my mom's from Lethbridge. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. so that's, uh, yeah, every year we used to go to Calgary. Farm boy so. makes sense then. Yeah, well, the uh, and then my uncle, uh, who was from that area, he played uh, in the development back in the 50s and played for, the, like, whatever I guess that the Oilers are, like, played, like, in Canadian hockey and, like, the Olympic team and all that. But, yeah, no, I've uh, th- that area of the world, man, like, we used to have a family reunion every year in Whitefish, Montana, which is just right across the border, so... But yeah, it's, yeah uh, when you used to be able to go across with your uh, fucking made-up ID or even a driver's license. Actually, it was a wave. I remember yeah. when I was a kid, we yeah, just kind of waved. And they just yeah. fucking waved you through. Now it's like an act of God to get across. Huh? Yeah, it's gloves going on. Well, Jay, hey, thanks for thanks for taking the time to chat, man. It was uh, it was like the perfect recipe of like well, thank coaching you. and conspiracy and psychology, you know, and like it was just great. I, I had a great time, man. Um, and I'm sure our listeners did too. So guys, if you're not already plugged into OPEX, check out James and what his crew is doing there. And, um, good luck on the good fight, man, of selling non-crazy. We feel like we're kind of in the same boat with you. Yeah. I'm yeah. uh, pushing the same boulder uphill every day. I, I, dude, I quote Beowulf all the time with these guys. I'm like, we got to fight the good fight. So go out and slay the monsters. Awesome. Good All right, Empower Athlete Nation, thanks for listening to another episode of the Premier Podcast in strength and conditioning. That's right, buddy. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Follow James Fitzgerald on Instagram at the handle jfitzopex, or you can head directly to his website, opexfit.com, to check out their coaches' development content. Until next time, bye! Bye!